This is The Extra Sheep, the unofficial Age Empires 4 podcast, hosted by me, Socraton, along with Sir Nevels and Beal. How are we doing, guys? Doing good. Doing going good. On, sir, what's going on? Going, it's going. It's been, it's been a week. It's, it's been a week. Uh, we also do have a special guest in here with us today. Welcome in the fabulous, the extraordinary, the one-of-a-kind, the China-loathing 10-4 Tim. I've never been introduced like that. That's fantastic. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm super excited to be on here because I know I was supposed to be on here maybe about a month or two ago, but we had some scheduling difficulties. So I'm glad you fit me in. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. And we've been looking to get some more guests on the show. We're going to kind of work our way up. And you are kind of like our gateway drug to the uh, greater streaming community, 104 Tim. Uh, you have been oh, most great. recently picked up by EGC TV. If that's that's correct, yeah, yeah I did e- two EGC casts already. One yesterday. Um, right now we're recording on the fourth of June, so on the third I did, and the week before that Saturday, the very first EGC TV two stream I did. Nice, nice. So we will be uh, interviewing Tim a little more in depth here. Instead of a game, we usually do a game on this. This I didn't have time or the wherewithal. I had a kidney stone. Just gonna throw that out there, everyone. I was really under the weather this week. My planning, uh, as far as like in-depth planning for like, usually I do a lot of stuff to get ready for the game and stuff. I didn't do that this week. I was I was having a rough time. But so in lieu of that, we are going to have a fun interview with Tim. We'll get to know him a little bit better, uh, hear his story, what he thinks of the game, how it's been at EGC TV. Uh, so that'll be fun. But first, before we do that, I think we should dive into a little bit of AOE news. We've had some big things kind of happen uh, over the last uh, couple weeks. Um, This is a little out of date now. It happened like almost right after last episode released. Uh, But I saw an interesting announcement on Twitter. Relic laid off uh, like 120 some odd employees. Uh, Pretty big news. They're only a development studio of about like what? 400 employees total before this. Uh, So that was kind of a big shock. It sounds to me like their uh, Company of Heroes release didn't go very well. And so I'm thinking that that had something to do with it. They would have learned <laughs> Launching a game with no replay, no color picker, like what? Oh, There's so yeah. many lessons they could have learned from a uh, launch of AOE four, and I know it's likely two separate teams. Um, maybe there's not full communication between the entire company, but it seems like this one could have been avoided with uh, just previous <laughs> previous lessons. You yeah. think they were like too far in development to maybe go back and try to add all that in? Uh, must have been some sort of deadline yeah. crunch uh, to just hit the target release date. Not possibly. Yeah, I think uh, Company Heroes, I think it was supposed to be. I, I, I guess it doesn't really. It's such a big gap between like, you know, like AOE 4 and like Company Heroes. Like mm-hmm. if you look at like rts because honestly like people were comparing them when they first launched and they're actually super different i play see i actually bought company heroes put like two minutes into it and then i was just like yeah off rip i knew it wasn't for me um you know i just i steam refunded it but um it's just i realized i i remember when from when the game first came out we were talking about how you know is it what effect it will have on aoe4 a company heroes coming out and the, honestly they really are two different games and I like you said, like build, honestly to say, like it just a lot of things like, like feature lacking that that actually played AOE four when it launched. Well and the map and, for that game didn't look that exciting either. Like it just oh, looked like there was like they kind of oh. had like the two different types. Yeah, like in the desert of Africa and Italy, mm-hmm. like Italy village. It didn't seem like there was a yeah. lot of variation. I I saw a lot of guys who played 
a lot of age. Uh, I think of like Fitzbro. I know he jumped over and played mm-hmm. a lot of Call of Company of Heroes for a while. Um, I know a lot of guys kind of dabbled in it. I feel like most of them have already stopped streaming it. Oh, yeah. I think everybody's done. I did, the game has like, I think, either like just over a thousand players online on Steam, if not less. Like I checked it not too long ago and the game, it really is not that big of a player base. And it's just ugh, like, I mean, there's only four factions, like four different. So like, I kind of feel like, you know, it's kind of going on the same road that like maybe a lot of people squint their eyes out AOE four. like not that many factions. Um, there's, it's not really, I don't think it's a really economy based game either. No, it's really not. Like, uh, yeah, there's like, it's like more like map control and there's, you can't, uh, I don't think there's any individual unit movement. Like you can only move like basically groups of like, you know, but the, like you can't move like groups of five or 10 units at a time. Like there isn't no, like, you know, there's not, I don't think really micro in the game at all, really. Well, I mean, the I could be wrong. The game is that it's more micro focused than Age of Empires I, would be. I thought, I thought it would be, but I remember when I played, cause I, and, I, and this is me speaking, like I'm not a company heroes guy, so I could be honestly butchering it. But I just remember when I was playing it, like when you spawn a unit, like you spawn, you control units of like five and like units of like, you know, it's just, it's not like, you know, AOE4, you know, you, if you're playing a unit, one of them gets low on health, you can move that unit away and send them off for a little bit. Like where Company Heroes, like, it's more like map control centric. Like you go on the map and you secure different spots where add more to your supply. And that supply is used to eventually, you know, overrun your enemy. It's just, it, I don't think, I think it was just underwhelming. The campaign also was very underwhelming too. Like there's, mm. it's like a like a big map. You go on the map trying to secure parts of Italy and uh, like Africa, and it just the campaign was probably a big selling point of the game. A lot of people like for the campaign, it was underwhelming. I looked review up. It's a lot. The game just has a lot of issues at launch, and hopefully, I don't know if they be able to turn it around because almost the same thing we were talking about off off you know recording is just that. You know, so game sometimes the game launches bad and that'll ruin the whole legacy of the game. Mm. Well, I feel like the difference between that and like the bad launch of AoE 4 is that I think AoE 4 at its core is a really good game. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't yeah. know how I feel about Company of Heroes. I don't want to I don't want to bash on Company of Heroes like that it's a bad game. But I mean mm-hmm. it's it is very different. And I think maybe some of those fundamentals don't resonate with the RTS community as well, or maybe it's just for a smaller, more niche audience. I don't know, but regardless, uh not a good look for Relic laying off. I think I think it was like 121. I, I it was a over 100, and it was like 120, 130, somewhere in that range uh, of their 400 some odd employees that they had. Pretty significant layoff, and that that definitely uh, coincides kind of with Company Heroes too. They definitely mentioned that by name. They didn't mention AOE. Um, it's go. It's worth noting that Relic is not really a part of Microsoft, and that AOE is basically under development of Microsoft more than Relic now. Relic kind of helped out, I think, with some of the development there. So this shouldn't really affect age really at all. But as far as they the broader, they to update. Yeah, it's, uh, it makes me a little nervous. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I see you say that I, about the tweet. I'm a little tense, but uh, <laughs> but we'll see. I mean, we've got Microsoft likely going to announce something about AOE four coming up at uh, their summer game show. Oh yeah, that's so, Saturday, right? We'll On the Saturday. Tonight. Uh, I'm not sure. 
Uh, it was extended, uh, but we are coming up on that. By the time the next episode comes out, I think we'll be in the next season. Unless there's a, unless there's going to be some downtime. Are they Have they announced if there's going to be a new season or it's just that this season's ending? Because last, I know a couple seasons ago, there was kind of a gap between there, right? There was kind of some dead, dead air. I feel like there's a week between seasons. I think like ranked goes down for a week or so. Yeah. If I remember correctly, between because I played between two and three and three and four and four and five. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's always been it was usually like a week. I think there was like almost two weeks week. during one of those where it was like a long gap. It was pretty bad. I think before, three, before three, there was like a long gap, I think. I think I think it was a little between one and two. I think the first update they had to whatever one added in panoramic view that that was honestly the worst ending of a season because it just ended and there was no updates by the developers at all. I think I was actually before at its lowest point was like when the first season yeah. ended because there's really no no one knew what was going on. It just ended. It was like congratulations, you did great. Well, you like know, I've kind of uh, I've kind of noticed similar things moving forward. That there really hasn't been a lot of really anything from the devs of AOE and from Microsoft. I feel like this game, like we know it's we kind of we're kind of reading between the lines here, right? We haven't heard anything definitive mm-hmm. in a while. Uh, I, I, yeah. I don't think there's really a roadmap for this game right now. I know the, I know some people in the community kind of want to see something like that, like at least some kind of roadmap. Give us some kind of an idea of, hey, we're looking to eventually add things in. So far, it's kind of, we're all just speculating, so for the most part. Yeah, yeah I think the last roadmap that they had published ended with the Enchanted Grove. Mm. And they haven't released anything. a while ago. Yeah, that was. Yeah, our eyes, that are, our eyes have since recovered <laughs> since the, the Enchanted Grove. <laughs> what were your thoughts on the enchanted grove i just want to hear um i mean i don't care (laughs) didn't care i didn't mind it with the i mean it's cool i get it what i really liked is the stag and the enchanted grove gave you 10 gold if you were roost and you killed it so that was pretty cool (laughs) but um i mean when it comes to i when it comes to the season themes and all of that kind of stuff it's probably more so for the casual person, if they play single player games against the AI, maybe it's, you know, it spices things up for them. Uh, when it comes to multiplayer, that map or that biome, there's a reason why it wasn't in ranked, right? Yeah. It was too, <laughs> it was so, it was so motley and it was just, there was, it, there was way too, but like, I felt like I couldn't focus on what I was doing just because <laughs> looking around, I was like, this is, I'm playing, am I Alice in Wonderland right now? What am I doing? <laughs> yeah, it was weird. Yeah, it, it was definitely something else. I, but, I, I mean, I, I like the season themes. I think they can kind of keep going with it. I wish there was a little bit more of a historical background, maybe to some of it. And I know for AOE, maybe if you progress through the seasons, you progress through the years and the centuries, there's new upcoming things. Cause that's one of the things that I really love about AOE just in total of uh, the franchise is the history mm. behind it. So, I mean, they could lay into that if they want to, there's, I mean, they got about somewhere between eight to 900 years of material. I think they could piece something together for a, <laughs> just got for a 900 theme, right? years of material to go through. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so much, so much happened. Yeah. Like so much happened. So I, I would rather do something like that maybe, but that's just from a history nerd like me. Mm. I agree though. Yeah, I agree. There's this lot they could do. I don't mind. I didn't mind the enchanted grove at all. I, I enjoyed it enough, but yeah, it definitely, I saw the memes about everyone's eyes bleeding and I was like, oh, come on, guys, it can't be that bad. And then I remember playing a game at first. It's like, it's really not that bad at first. But by the time you get to like an Imperial Age game on that map with the Enchanted Grove, your eyes really do just feel like they want to bleed. Oh, man. I, I... Well, you know, you know, what's funny is when I 
actually play this game or use any monitor whatsoever even when i'm at work and i'm using a monitor i have the blue light completely turned off mm. so because the blue, light, blue light blue glasses. light's not yeah it's not i mean it's not the best thing for you it'll help you especially if you watch things like on your phone or tv or whatever before you go to sleep it keeps you up just because of the blue light it kind of resembles the visual light that the sun does on the spectrum but the the, the lack of blue light and i remember playing that biome for the first time and i was like do i have my blue light on like cause <laughs> i'm like my eyes are starting to get strayed like and i'm not like i'm i'm not one to complain but i was do i was like i don't think i could do that again wait wait, wait. I think saying enough, he's not one to complain about that <laughs> <laughs> just about that i was gonna say in my introduction of you tim for tim i was gonna tell you that we have invoked your name so often on this podcast uh, every time we bring up china i think we mention you uh, your reputation like a, has preceded you I, I was gonna say i'm like a i'm like a celebrity i guess but the even on egc when there's when china gets played i always i always i'm gonna say something terrible about it because <laughs> the, the, the civ is terrible it sucks and i hate it it's like i like i have a love-hate relationship with it because i've played it every now and then just to kind of figure out what it's all about and like i get the appeal but i i don't know man it's there's just something about it like it's 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 kind of fun but it's also kind of busted then i don't know see and i actually okay so these are my actual thoughts about china i don't think it's overpowered i really don't the only thing that i really think is every strategy that they have is cheese it's just not (laughs) fun to play against you yeah. barbican someone's face in Dark Age. How is that fun for the opponent? It's not. You get all in Zugnu rush. It's like, oh, that guy dragged his face across the keyboard and hit Zugnu 50 times and they won the game. That's not fun. You know, like the, 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 those kind of oh, look, strategies that they have. Song. Great. Right. Like it's just it's to me, it's just not a fun experience to play them. Like, I think or it's play against they them, can I do say. so much. They can do it's like where does Chinese not excel? Or at least not where they don't really have a really great weakness overall. Like everything they do is just really good. Like maybe they're not overpowered, but they're always really good. And it's a difficult sieve to play because of that. Right. Yeah. So the people that do play China, I give I give them credit, but I would really wish they stopped doing that. But the people <laughs> that do <laughs> the people that do play China, it's a it's a really reactive sieve. You gotta know what your opponent's doing to give you an idea of what you're allowed to do. Got it. Right. Good if someone's Right. If you're up against a French who's one TC all inning you, probably going for that second town center might be a little too greedy. Right. So it, it's just, I mean, you, you do have to be reactive. The scouting is really important. It's just, I think the fact that when I'm one particular civ and I have a strategy and thinking about, okay, this is how I should probably beat China, the way they can adapt in what I like to think is a rather cheesy way, the way they're able to adapt and counteract your strategy is just, it's so frustrating. Yeah, because you're already going out of your way to counter what they, you know they're good at. And then they just go, eh, well, now I'm a different type of monster. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, you don't. You're not a ditto. Like, you can't do that. <laughs> they're a ditto, dude. That's what it is. China is a ditto. They are the ditto of this game. That, that is exactly what it is. They can. You want to boom? <laughs> they'll boom. You want to go all in? They'll, they'll play all in. You want to. Dude, they're, they're a ditto. That, that's what it is. We, we figured it out. Tim has graced us with this piece of knowledge, everyone. I'm just, I'm just i'm just full of similes guys <laughs> uh i think that's all of our main news unless beal do you want to give us an update on how the 2v2 league went with uh rising empires oh boy uh <laughs> no, no? Out, i actually um missed the last couple of weeks uh i know our team how we did but i 
unfortunately. Uh, haven't been paying attention to what happened in Div 1. That's all right. Uh, when do, when oh, do the playoffs start for that? that uh, we'll, we'll cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, uh, playoffs have come and gone. Season 2 is starting very soon. All right, nice. Are they... Are, is, are the, wow, I can't speak today. Um, are they open to new teams and stuff joining them? Do you know when the deadline is for that, by chance? Uh, deadline... Seems like that's um, also a no, guys. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you know, I'm scrolling through the Discord looking for another one. I will say though, um, I actually joined a team. I'm going to be with uh, in Division Three. I'm going to be with uh, Doctor Dabston and B Dot. Oh, that'll be nice. fun. Oh, that's be good. A good team. That's fun. What, what is your rank right now, Tim? Where are you at right now? You um, like I hit I hit Conk one in April. Oh, nice. And I've just played on my alt. For the most part, like trying sieves, I yeah. I don't usually play. Um, but then when I get hideout, I just pick roost because it's dumb not to what, pick what, the roost. What's the name of your alt? I gotta know. Uh, I don't tell anybody. You don't tell anyone. Okay. Oh, okay. I like that. I want. I want to nope, know. I, I, uh, people started to know it a few weeks ago because I sniped Ask a lot on stream, mm. and uh, because he, so he thought I was somebody else, and he was like ranting to me about it in discord and i was like and i was like yeah man those snipers like they're just bad people oh, you know? no. <laughs> and then he found out it was me so i kept that name because it was rising empires related so i kept that name for about two or three weeks afterward and now i changed it mm. so if somebody if somebody goes up on ladder in that i think my alt is probably mid diamond like diamond two or something like that if you're in that diamond range and you think somebody might be me you'd call me out I'll say no anyway, but you can try. <laughs> you can try. <laughs> That's great. That's great. All right. Well, uh, we're going to go ahead and start our little fun little interview with you, Tim. Uh, I wanted to say to Beal and Sir Neville, so if you guys have any questions you want to throw in at him impromptu as well, by all means, jump in on this. Uh, I just kind of oh, listed yeah. some questions in just that I always think it would be good to ask Tim to get to know him a little better and to kind of introduce him to the community. I know many people probably know of you, Tim, already. You're kind of like a mini celebrity i think we're all like almost mini celebrities in the aoe world right like a little bit maybe we're getting kind of i wish i wish i, I, I sometimes get world. recognized for my podcast sometimes you know it's nice it's nice um i think I, I honestly think i'm just that kid that hangs around too much but they're like they nobody feels no nobody has strong around. emotions to be like hey get out of here kid like they're just like okay you're cool <laughs> i'm pretty sure Whatever. that's all you of us that, let's be honest we're all at that <laughs> yeah, i think that's all of us i think that's i think that's me that's not about right I'm, I'm, I'm like in every single stream, like, hey, what's going on? Like, like, like I, I've played thing. I've played a game uh, free for all with uh, when Blade did one of those free for alls. I've been in, uh, been with those top guys and I got quickly demolished, but I've beaten I've, I've defeated Blade once with some help. Oh, yeah. Rushing in with Asmolians because that was what I got. No, I've done it once. Hey. Once my call, hey, my um, call hey. of fame. Hey, that's, that's that's pretty good. That's something to be proud of. No, it was just a complete. Let me just rush him before he's ready. It was it was pretty fun. Hey, good strat. Sometimes yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah. We're all just Molly. trying here. I know. Ah, oh, dude, I was so <laughs> mad. I don't, the problem is, I don't know how to play them, and I got them. Uh, it was like say they did like a wheel, a randomized. Like your this is your sieve, your sign sieve. Or, oh no, it was no, it didn't do wheel. It just did random. You have to do random, and you just got what you got. Mm. I, I don't like Mollians though. Anyways, uh, Tim, what got you into yeah. either RTS or Age Empires? Just in general, I want to hear your story with the AUE community. Yeah, that's a good start, actually. So it was 
I can't remember what conference it was. I don't know if it was like the Xbox conference that Sir Neville was, was talking about, or it was like E3 or something like that a couple years ago when they actually announced it. But this was like in 2019 or whenever they announced it. And I was super hyped. Um, I remember getting AOE one in a cereal box, you know, all the way back, <laughs> and, you know, cause I mean, when the game came out, I forget, I forget what year AOE one came out, but I was probably still getting potty trained at that point. I was probably like, four. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, uh, AOE two, I started to play a little bit more just like the campaign and just like playing it like city skylines essentially. And, um, AOE three was whenever that came out was the first time my family actually switched from dial up internet. So that was one of the first games that I actually played online mm. on the computer. And I did a lot of more, more console than computer, but when AOE four was first announced, cause me and my older sister, we have nostalgia for the AOE franchise. And she told me about it and I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. I'll, I'll check it out. And then I saw what was going on and I started to play AOE two a little bit more at that point. And I was like, man, like I want, it feels like every sieve is the same. You know, it feels like all these sieves are, or it's the differentiation between the sieves were negative. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, this one sieve doesn't get paladins. Or this one sieve doesn't get this technology. It's like, well, I mean, I want them to have cool, unique stuff. That would be cool. So, because, I mean, obviously, when you're looking at medieval history and AoE 2 is a little bit before the AoE 4 history, but in AoE 4, all of these sieves, they're so different. And they're starting to branch out and do their own things, discover their own militaristic technologies and that kind of stuff. So I wanted them to show that. And AOE 4, I think, does a really good job. Even just something small like the villagers having short bows. In medieval England, everyone learned how to shoot a bow. Yeah. So when you're that's why the villagers are shooting short bows, because they know how to. No other civ really knows how to. Right. So uh, that little the way they integrated it into the real history of it is something that i love and that's what made me first not only uh, start playing the game but continue playing it once i realized hey i'm not actually that bad maybe i should keep playing yeah i actually had a kind of a not just a little side i had a kind of similar experience actually game came at first one came out i was like a newborn uh but i remember playing two and mostly a lot of three i know that's kind of crazy to say but a lot of three at my aunt's house, she had a computer and always had computer games. That's where I like got introduced to Minecraft. That's where I got introduced to anything that's on the computer. She had that. And I remember going over to her house every now and then as a kid and playing Age of Empires 3 and playing through the whole campaign. I never was competitive, but it's fun that we've had kind of somewhat similar experiences with AoE. I feel like a lot of guys our age probably do. Yeah, I, I mean, I found it like I remember being a kid going to like my aunt's house who had internet and typing in like free games online into apps <laughs> or whatever and going to the MSN gaming zone. And it was like, try this demo of a game called age of empires and playing like the rise of Rome demo like over and over uh, until I finally got AOE too. Yo, that's good reference on Ask Jeeves. I haven't heard Jeeves in a long time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was one of those. I don't think Google was around at that point. <laughs> like we're all, we're all a bunch of we're all a bunch of gaming boomers at this point. <laughs> I just hit we really I are. Just, <laughs> I, I'm realizing it more and more. I made a like I was I was doing like a Sunday school thing for my church and I like I made a reference like Among Us and even they just kind of gave me blank looks. I'm like, come on, that was like two years ago. But they're like yeah. 13, so they were like eight or nine. Oh gosh, time flies. I feel old. Anyways, 
Uh, I mean, I'm like I, I, nine. I'm not necessarily an old person, but in the gaming sphere, I just feel like, oh my god, like is my life over? Like, should I retire? <laughs> no, no, it's fine. That's why we're that's why we're in the RTS community, not playing Call of Duty. <laughs> oh yeah, man. I don't want to be funny. beat up by an 11 year old. That's funny you say that though, because like you guys all got started on Age of Empires, and like me, I always mixed up Age of Empires and um, Empire Earth. That's what I like playing my little brother like growing up. Like I did not know there was a difference until like just recently. That okay. Empire Earth and Age Empire are different. Yeah, I remember kids. I never had Empire Earth, but I remember kids at school talking about it and how like you could go even further into the future. Yeah. Empires, and it Dude. started like way back before. Way I, back, it was like cavemen. You could like age up all the way to like flying cars and lasers. Oh my and god! That right there, dude. That right there. Me and my brother, who also plays four now, uh, Age Empires four. We do. We would be on that all day, and like I, we didn't know what we were doing, but we were just straight up just. And like we probably had cheat codes aging up immediately. You can start it was, Empire Earth, I think it's like I don't know how respect that is in the RTS community, but that's I think that's where I got my start. And I played a little bit of Age of Empires too when I was younger, like really young. I'm talking about when I think I think literally four. Age of Empires four came out. No, two. I was four years old and uh yeah, I didn't know what I was doing either. And that was like my start in the RTS. And I wouldn't like call that a start, to be honest. Yeah. And Think about cheat codes. It's, uh, games don't have cheat codes like they yeah, used to. Yeah, it's not a thing just, anymore. Just, it, like it kind of is sometimes, but it's not as. Man, it used to be like cheat codes used to be like legitimate cheat codes that were like in the game that no oh, one yeah. knew about. And then, <laughs> became, then there was like a phase where like there was like a designated here's a cheat code window you can type in your yeah. cheats. And now we're just kind of in that point where it's just like now it's just gone to dev commands. Like you just know the yeah. dev commands. Now you're like hacking into the game yourself and modding it. Man, we I remember the website, uh, Cheat CC. That was my was, <laughs> Cheat CC was a classic. Cheat CC. I'll get you know, that. I carry with you like 90% of my story games growing up. I was a loser. I couldn't beat a game by myself. This is really I odd. I, I, remember, I remember my dad was a big, my dad was a Marine and he did computer and technology and radio repair as an instructor back in the early 2000s, like 2002, 2004. Uh, I remember we used to have a uh, PlayStation 1 and our PlayStation 2, and we had this game called Gauntlet. And when you made your character, you can name it. And if you named yourself like in Vaughn, you'd be invincible. Or if you named yourself Egg Nine One One, you'd turn into a chicken and start shooting little chicken sacks. I, I remember we used to, we used to, we used to, my dad like knew all these cheat codes and would tell us them to play them. Man, I, I love those kind of things. Those are the kind of things that you just don't get as much anymore. Like you just don't get those nah. little Easter eggs. In elementary school, the best part about the scholastic book fairs was getting the big oh, like yes, yeah, yes. yes. Like that and a copy of the Guinness Book of World Records. The two yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't actually read. That's why I, I looked at it. That's, that's why I actually went there to get those two things. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> actually <laughs> read. <laughs> I've had that thought. Nah, like, dude, kids are gonna, for losers. Kids are going to learn exactly. to read just so they can play like Legend of Zelda. Like they're going to learn to read. Yeah, just exactly. to understand what's going on. You got to unlock all the characters in uh, Goldeneye. That's, oh, that's what yes, yeah, that's reading for exactly. Gosh. Well, Tim, you were making us very, very nostalgic here, telling us about your uh, your story yeah. with RTS. I should have known that would happen. Uh, what made you want to start casting? So that's a good question, and it was super random, and I never thought I would actually do any kind of casting or anything like that. I actually this was 
over a year ago, um, I was playing the game just by myself. Like once I would play the computer, I did some ranks and stuff like that, but I wasn't really too, I didn't get into the minutia of the game or try to like mid max it or anything like that. But, um, I was watching people because I've been on Twitch for years. Every game that I've played, I usually watch Twitch streamers because I use it more for education. I like to try to get better and use it that way instead of just entertainment. But I was on a Jesseology stream. So shout out to Jesseology, probably a, a little bit over a year ago. And I was working nights that month. And this was, I don't know, she was streaming at like 2 a.m. And I didn't have work. So I was just like sitting at my computer at 2 a.m. with nothing to do, like a real, you know, like a real loser. Like a right? real so, again. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and she was doing community games. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll do the I'll sign for a community game. And um, it was my first team's game ever that I ever did. And I actually and my team actually won. So I was like, well, you know, I'll do a little bit more ones and I'll try to figure it out. And maybe I won't be too bad. And then Chewbacca five, if everyone remembers Chewbacca, hopefully he's listening because shout out to him. He when he started making the first Low Elo Legends tournaments, uh, I joined the very first one. I remember getting pretty far. I didn't win it, but um, I remember getting pretty far. And I really appreciated what he did because he would just take time out of his weekend completely for free for no reason, just to uh, for other low elo people to have a tournament and have a good time. And I messaged him and I was like, Hey, like you're doing great stuff. And I really appreciate it. I look forward to the tournaments and stuff. And he was like, Hey, do you want to come on camera with me and actually cast because he's doing the admin stuff in the background. So his casting would get a little choppy, you know? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like I'll talk while you're doing the actual work. I don't care. So it was probably like an eight or nine hour tournament. And at the end he told me, he was like, man, you, you really know how to talk. <laughs> and I've never heard anyone compliment me in that <laughs> such a way. But I mean, I have to talk like it's part of my job. It's what I do every day. So that was our, my first little taste of it. And I would also be around on Dr. Dabson's channel. I think I'm Dabson's longest sub at this point. This is the only thing I really take pride in for the AOE4 scene is that I'm Dabson's longest sub. And he asked me randomly in DMs. He's like, yeah, I'm going to cast some Warchief Club games if you're down. This was before Rising Empires. And I casted with him and Attico DM'd me and said I did a really great job casting. And then I was like, you know what? Maybe I could just keep doing this. It seems like a lot of fun. And here we are. Now you're casting for EGC TV getting into the big spotlight now. We're very proud of Where, you. Sir. We're very proud of you. And, well, I, I appreciate that. But I mean, a year ago, I was just some random degenerate at 2 a.m. playing a community game. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm nothing special, you know? It's hey, funny. I mean, you're talking to the guys who started a podcast with this game just because we thought we, we wanted to listen to something like this. <laughs> right. That's how right. it starts. Yeah, just listen, and, like just having all of us, even I feel included as a guest, but just having all of us BS together, you know, on a Spotify channel. I'm pretty, pretty cool. I'm going to be on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> and like Tim, to your credit, like you've also sort of I feel like you've paid it forward, too, because um, I've got a really similar story of uh, why I kept playing Age of Empires 4 and why I got into casting was uh like coming back into AOE four, I had it on launch and then played it for two, two weeks and just dipped out because it wasn't that much fun. But I saw a post on Reddit uh, last uh, end of August about a low ELO legends tournament 
Um, and I was like, you know what? This could be fun. I've never played an RTS in a tournament setting. And so I signed up and had a bunch of fun. And casting that day, it was uh, Tim and Moketronics. And, you know, after the tournament was done, um, watching the replay back, seeing one of my games actually casted, uh, kept me going in this community. You know, uh, that was one of the things, and I'm really glad you shared that story because it actually means a lot that you did. Um, that those stories is that's kind of why I wanted to keep doing it because I told when I, uh, when I left rising empires a few weeks ago and when, uh, I told you guys about it or why I was leaving or all that kind of stuff. The reason why I stayed for as long as I did is because when I actually won one of those low, low elo legend tournaments, you always like when you're like a kid and you're like four or five years old, I'm going to go back to nostalgia again. Sorry. But when you're like four or five years old and you're like, man, like I just want to sit and play video games all day. And like, that's, that's my job. That's what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to play video games because you're five years old. You don't know any better. And when I actually won one of those low legend tournaments, shoe gave me like 10 bucks, whatever the winner was. But in a way it kind of made that dream come true. You know, I mean, it's not something you, I obviously can't sustain a living off of low legends tournaments. That's not the point. <laughs> the, <laughs> the point was that, that little four-year-old actually had his, had his dream come true. And that's what I wanted for other people to do too. So for, for Beal to share that story to me, that makes me feel like the work that you do at rising empires, because it's all volunteer work. And I used to greatly appreciate when everybody would take time out of their weekend, they could be doing literally anything else. But to me, when they were, they spent that eight hours casting or hosting or adminning or whatever the case they're taking time out of their day to maybe help someone else's dream come true. So that's why I loved being there. Yeah. That's awesome. I remember <clears throat> I feel like we all had very similar stories at this, you know, cause I think my first cast was actually with you, Tim. I think I don't remember how that even came about either. I think they just needed someone to help co-cast and I was like, Hey, yo, I stream. I've got a, I've been trying to get into streaming a little bit more. I've got a microphone. I've got stuff. I bet I can hop in and help out. I don't know what, I'm learning the game well, still. And I remember hopping in and that was just a ton of fun. Well, you know what it the, was? It was the show match with Beal. Yeah. yeah. It was uh, the Beal and Road show match because Socrates, you played them a decent amount on ladder. Oh, that's right. And I, I was like, them. and I was like, you can, you can give me some extra information and this will be really good. Um, just to give a little bit of background information, create the narrative of a show match, because I mean, no, no offense, Beal. I, I, I hyped you up. So now I'm going to bring you down a little bit. Um, for, <laughs> for, uh, the show match, I'm thinking in my head, uh, because I was fronting the money to actually do it. I was like, well, I mean, these are two random players. Like, how are we going to get people to actually care about it? And okay. if you, if you learn about the people, right, you start to, and you start to create a narrative of these two rivals, just button heads and low elo tournaments all the time. And we have an insider here who knows about these guys you know maybe uh, uh maybe they know what their families are like you know what i mean just like really like really like inside stuff to spin a to spin a narrative and make a great show match out of it and i don't know just in terms of viewership i don't know how much it was just because it was a while ago but it definitely lived up to expectations it was probably one of my favorite things to cast to this day that was a lot of fun i've, I've had that, that was a fun time i remember even feel being the fledgling player he was Man, we were all so terrible at like gold one. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, you're talking about how do you build up a show match between two gold three players? I mean, it's time. a tall task. Yeah. <laughs> but but really, I mean, you guys, just because you're whether you're gold three or conquer three, like it's still two evenly matched players butting heads in a game that the people that are watching love. And maybe they can relate to you guys with the games that you play. That's kind of the, one of the things that I wanted to do when I was casting low elo legends is tell like say people hey if you're a low elo player i even do this on egc even though there's a bunch of people there who i don't know what the skill level they are but if you're a low elo player these are the things he's doing but these are the things that might make it even a little bit better um when i first started casting with shubaka we would just like rag on people consistently <laughs> and like literally like to the point like make fun of them to the point where i was like i don't think these people are coming back like that was that was pretty bad watching the vibe, but some people loved it. They had so much fun. They're like, "Yeah, I love getting you know clowned on for a I little bit." I remember Astalad getting so mad at me when I was English rushing into HRE, and he's like, "Why isn't Sockerton doing it this way? Why is why?" He actually, he didn't know it was Sockerton. He said Sockerton back then. Like, why is he doing it this way? And he was getting so mad. I watched the vod backward. I won the game, but he was like, "He shouldn't have won. This is not right." Like, he was so mad that I had <laughs> beaten this guy. And the low, I think that was the week I might have won. I don't remember. It was a while ago now, but oh, that was, yeah. I, well, I think that that's such a great thing because personally watching like the, I mean, I love watching 3DB take on Beastie Cutie. That's a fun matchup, but I don't oh, learn yeah. much from it. They're playing at such a high technical level. I can't mimic their APM. I just can't. Like I can look at their like macro, but I can't do some of the little micro things that they're doing. I, I can, if I do my, my country in the background is going to be in flames and I'm not going to have enough food. Start mass starving. It'll be, it'd be bad. It'd be bad. <laughs> But like you're, watching- you're exactly right. Sometimes I do that with my micro too, especially when I'm <laughs> playing French, because I have two different nights with two different scouts and I'm making sure they don't die, you know? And I mean, I get, I'm not the worst player in the world, but I'm certainly not the best. And my APM is pretty, I would say a little bit on the lower side compared to most people on conqueror level. So when I'm doing that and you have some other fight going on where your two nights aren't there, but you're still trying to raid with those nights at the same time. It's like, yeah, I can do that. If that's the only thing I have to do, yep, yep. but it is not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My micro can be excellent when that's all I'm doing. But uh, the nice thing about like low, low, low legends is that you're watching players at your skill level. So the critiques that they're giving them are critiques you can actually incorporate into your gameplay. And I, I feel like I learn more watching that than I do watching top tier play sometimes. And obviously you can learn from yeah. anything, but like uh, sometimes I think that's almost more valuable. Uh, yeah. And I think for the low elo people, even the ones that like Beal and you who I brought over to rising empires to start casting. I think for you guys, just what, even just watching those games and <laughs> I'm basically uh, buckling you to a chair and you have to watch low elo games for eight hours and talk about them, <laughs> but it's going to make you better yeah. because you're immersed in the game for that long. And I hope it did. I think uh, so. For I mean, sure. Look at Beale, I, man. Well, he's like, he's pushing diamond Beal. <laughs> And they're bouncing back and forth. I just haven't had that much time to play uh, past couple of weeks. But every time I do cast uh, low elo legends, I feel like the best player in the world afterwards. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. I would never make that mistake. I would never make that mistake. Oh my god! Like I should be, I should be at least conk one, dude. I'm totally a conk. I'm a conk in spirit all day. <laughs> all day. Every everyone is whoever's listening to this. Don't worry, you're a conqueror. In you're your conquer heart. running in your heart. You you see and you know. It's easy when you can see the entire map and and jump between and not be pressured and it's not you losing troops. 
Uh, yeah, and then I sit down and play, and it's just like, oh, oh wait, okay. no, I'm, I'm a plat I, one, maybe plat two on a good day. Okay, okay. Don't know how to click around. Okay, uh, <laughs> I don't have, I don't have the uh, the dexterity, the click yeah. <laughs> anymore. <laughs> uh, Tim, how do you feel about the game right now, and what do you most hope to see in the future? Well, okay, so obviously Malians are broken. Right. There's let's okay, let's just say I'm excited that there's going to be new changes in a couple of weeks. Uh I think it's not necessarily in a bad state or anything, but you have 90% of the civs that are doing well. Mm. In an RTS kind of in an RTS game where that 10th civ is still around and exists, you the rest of the nine civs have to adapt to that 10th Civ. It's almost like it's almost like if you're playing a card game, if anyone's familiar with Magic or if anyone's familiar with Hearthstone or anything like that, if there's one piece of broken material in the game, the meta has to shift around it. And when you have something so warping, it makes for a bad experience. And maybe the reason why I haven't played too much after I hit Conqueror is because the Civ that is broken, which is Malian's, the Civs that I like to play have terrible matchups against Mali. So I'm like, well, if this Civ exists, I don't really want to queue up. You know, there's no it's not like the Elite Classic that's going on right now where everyone bans Molly. You can see when everyone bans Molly, and if you guys have been watching over the past couple weeks, there's been fantastic representation of every Civ in that. You could see literally every single Civ play. You see a lot more French because Mali doesn't exist. Right. So I think if they if they make those changes and we'll get into it a little bit more. I know at the end of the interview, you want to talk about the game and what we want to see a little bit afterward. But um, if they make some of the changes, maybe they add a little bit more. I think it'll be a little bit better. But for adding things to the game, even though I haven't I haven't mastered all of the civs that are there. And I don't. Well, to be honest, I don't think I've mastered one civ. But to for all of the people, they might not have the experience to play or the time to play all of the civs and really know what makes them tick. So I don't feel like I'm in a position to ask for new civs, but the Eastern Roman empire and the Byzantines, they have to be in this game. Like the, the, the time period that's here and they could make the best campaign that AOE four has to offer. Picture this, the Eastern Roman empire comes into the game, right? They get their all unique units and probably more stuff about history that I don't necessarily know, but you can follow Byzantines through things like the Crusades. You can follow the Byzantines throughout, you know, any kind of their territory, either whether being expansionary or collapsing. And then at the end of that campaign, instead of being the Byzantines, you're the Ottomans and you're sieging Constantinople as the last mission in the campaign. That would be insane. That, like the campaign writes itself. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And, you know, there's some positions open at Relica here. If uh, you want to get in there. <laughs> I'm, I see. Uh, yeah, I know. Well, first of all, because I, I, I didn't get a chance to say it, but thoughts, to, thoughts and prayers to all those people that actually did get laid off from Relic. And yeah, that's rough. If you were, uh, you told me if there was like 400, and, if there's 400 people that usually work at Relic, 120, that's 30% yeah. of their staff. They just laid off. So I hope that those people aren't struggling and they're able to find it. I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where I don't really get laid off or anything like that. So for those people, I hope they are able to get back on their feet. But again, like Byzantines, come on. 
Yeah, I think, like, my, I think our top it's, it's civs, too easy. I think our top civs that we've been thinking about, we, we did an episode a couple weeks ago about what we wanted to see added in. I think Byzantines was one of the ones. I think uh, Japanese and then like a uh, Nordic, like Viking, like maybe like the Danes. I think those were our top three that we were kind of hoping for. And maybe like an Aztec one in the future, too. But those, I mean, oh, there's, yeah, there's so I much could, room for this game to grow. I could see the Nords with like a Berserker unit. Yeah. Kind of like how um, uh, how they do it. I know AoE 2, they do have a unique Viking melee unit, but for AoE 4, maybe you can make it for how many tiles it goes. It actually increases attack, like kind of like a charge kind of thing. It almost like builds mm. up. So for each tile, maybe it adds an extra three attack to their first melee attack or something like that. There's there's different, there's a lot more avenues to this game that are yet to be explored that I think can be good mechanics that aren't necessarily things like passive income, which I don't think is a good mechanic personally. Yeah, we're looking at Mollians again, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. 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 Well, <laughs> yeah, a game that's so surrounded about income and eco and managing eco, having something that's that passive. I mean, because even like with like HRE, at least you have to go get the relics. You know, at least you have to go get them. Like, there's a play there. You know, um, Tim, uh, what do uh, what other games do you enjoy? I mean, obviously, we all have kind of our secondary games. I mean, Veal's known for playing Oblivion. Uh, Strenevels, I know, is playing Hogwarts Legacy and I'll play a couple of the games. I play some uh, my baseball game that you enjoyed yesterday, I think, uh, Tim. What other games do you oh, do? That was so much fun watching you play baseball. Talk about nostalgia. So um, for everybody who doesn't watch soccer to play Super Mega Baseball 4, it's a lot of fun. Um, it helped me relive because I was um, I was a pitcher in high school. So it helped me relive some of that nostalgia. And Beale's Oblivion streams are obviously top. Dude, they're always too, so, so good. Um, I just love Beal, even though <clears throat> just your your reactions to things. I'll get to the answer to this question in a second, but for your reactions to things that happen in Oblivion, even just like I, I didn't remember how bad the characters look in that game. <laughs> and how like and how like pixely like these like these I, I don't even know like these humanoids you know like they're just not it's so funny their face especially when you're persuading oh my god the facial expression their smiles me. scare me <laughs> it's so funny um okay but anyway um games so for people i guess i can give a little bit of a background so before I mean, I always played video games and as an American, everybody plays FPS games. So that's what I did a lot in grade school and stuff. But um, when I started at about 14, I was a poker player for about 10 years. I did that. Um, I stopped playing a little bit before I'd say probably into my first year of medical school, I would say. And then I switched to Hearthstone just because it was another card game. It kind of stretched that itch. But for people that do know me, uh, you know that I play Civ Six a lot. And I have uh, over a thousand hours in Civ Six right now. Uh, I really enjoy 4X games, so I played uh, Civ Six and Five, and now I'm experimenting into Age of Wonders Four, which is not necessarily anything historical. It's more of a fantasy kind of thing, but it's still 4X, and I I enjoy it. It's something like it's something that because RTS is always so constant and you have to be doing so many things at once and it's mentally taxing. Usually for those 4X games, you can sit down, you could take a turn. There's sometimes I take a turn and then I go take a shower and then take another turn mm. afterward. You know, like it's just it's a nice, relaxing thing when your mind has been stimulated all day and you're like, you know, what, I don't want to think anymore. That's neat. Yeah, actually, you hit on something about H Empires 4 that we're going to talk about in our main discussion topic today about kind of how 
we don't play this game for fun necessarily. I've been thinking about this a lot, like a lot, a lot. I think Sir Neville's brought it up a couple weeks ago uh, in a past episode. Uh, Might have been one of his extra chiefs. I've been thinking about that so much, Sir Neville's, about how we don't play Age Empires because it's fun per se. We do it because it's rewarding. Like, I don't play this game. Like, it's it's so mentally, like, engaging. And there is something that we get out of it, but it's not... I wouldn't say it's like a casually fun game, but there's there's something to it. We'll talk about oh, that. In definitely a bit. not. You'll get there. Uh, Tim, uh, now that you're with EGC TV, uh, we want to hear a little bit about the inside scoop. What is it like working with them? What is it like? What's give us some behind the scenes on that? Oh, you want the uh, you want the secrets? I want the secrets. I, I, I want to know. Works. I, I want right. to know. Yeah. All right, everybody who's listening, get your notepads out. I'm going to tell you exactly how they run. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, honestly, it's been it's been so amazing working with those guys they're so professional they're so streamlined um i talked to pesty for the first time yesterday um after my egc tv2 cast yesterday and he actually just like thanked me for doing it which i did not expect i was like oh my god i'm so fired like he's gonna beat me i don't know what's happening (laughs) Um, but um no he said you know that we did really well and i think they're just appreciative that the second stream is getting the amount of viewership and love that it has and i mean obviously i would love to do things like the a stream but just being a part of egc in general is a blessing like i don't again i don't really i've never expected to be in this position where i'm casting for it because these are there's the s tier these are the biggest aoe4 tournaments that we have and for me i just want to give the people the the show that they deserve when i'm casting so a lot of times when i'm even back in rising empires when i casted i did i always watched my cast back the day after and i hate hearing my voice i don't know how you guys put up with my voice i hate hearing <laughs> myself but um you gotta like you gotta go through it you're gonna be like well you know what the things that i said there or i stammered there or i whatever i'm i'm I do the best job at beating myself up. Oh, dude, you're, you're, you're in light stuff. company, my friend. You are in light company. Yeah. I think, I think, I know I've done the same. I'm sure Beal's probably done the same. Uh, we think we've all watched our own stuff before and been like, oh man, like I really missed that call like big time. Like that was horrible. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, I mean, even just with my job too, you got to realize we're all humans, you know, it's the, it's the paradox of the human ambition, you know, striving to be perfect, but never getting there. But the people that, work in the background at EGC like Lord Petito and Litacore when he's not casting they absolutely and I know people thank them you know uh, during tournaments and stuff like during streams but the work that they actually put in behind the scenes is unparalleled they make everything look so professional and fantastic I feel uh, coming for something like Rising Empires where if you're on the mainstream you have to do everything oh it's so stressful Having, it's so stressful yeah having a couple people in the back, knowing that they have your back while you're doing things, they'll give you cues and be like, Hey, you can take a break. Now we're waiting for the next game to set up or the game is launched. You can go into it. Just like those like little keys that keep the cast going in a streamlined fashion. It just, I I feel spoiled at that point. And I, I think it's so awesome how the AOE four community embraces things like new casters. Cause you see a new face and you're like, this isn't Drongo. I don't care about this person. You know, but and I thought it was going to be like that because I was it was a little nerve wracking to start because I don't really have a um, I don't have a YouTube channel. I don't have a Twitch that I stream on. The last time I streamed was October. So just because of lack of time throughout the week Mm. and during the weekends, I would do Rising Empire stuff. So there was really any time to do personal things. But the AOE community, like they were 
they thanked me after the cast, like in chat and all of that kind of stuff. And I can't, I, I can't thank everybody enough for the opportunity that I'm actually getting. I don't, I feel, I still feel like I don't deserve it. You know, that's awesome. That's so cool to hear, Tim. That's, I feel like, I feel like most of us here are kind of like behind. I feel like your, your kind of journey through this in some ways, like we've kind of almost followed you through it in a way. Right. Cause I mean, you started casting with, with uh, Rising Empires now, I think Sir Neville's you start you're going to start casting now with uh, RE as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, all uh, of they, us uh, ended up on our Rising Empires now and are getting in on that yeah. and casting. <laughs> We're all kind of following yeah. the shoes. Maybe maybe when Tim moves on to greater things, maybe maybe EGCT will look at Beal and be like, "Hey, yo, we want that guy on our our team too." Oh, that'd be I, so I, I cool. I could see it. I could see it. That, that, that's so cool, though. That, that's way cool that you're there. And you, I, I definitely think. I know you're, you probably feel that imposter syndrome like we all do. I know I'm, I'm a creative by trade. I, I work as a graphic designer and videographer for a for a rural hospital out here. And I, I feel the imposter syndrome 100%. And like everything I do, even this podcast, like sometimes I'm like, man, I'm such a poser. Look at me like, look at me, look at me like using Discord to record this. Like I'm a poser. Like, yeah, I've got the Adobe Creative Cloud, but I'm, I'm we're, we're just making things as go as we, we go. But I, I think you've done a great job, Tim. Uh, what are your hopes? Last question before we go to a break. Oh, what are your hopes for your casting in for the game and just what you hope to see yourself do in the future yeah i mean to be honest it's a really good question and i didn't really it's kind of the age-old job interview question where do you see yourself five years yeah, from now no kidding. you know and you're like and you're like i don't know existing like i don't, I don't know on the streets <laughs> right but um i mean for me it's just it's just a hobby and i do it because i enjoy it so as long as i still enjoy it i'm going to keep doing it and for people that not just EGC. I mean, if there's people that want to have tournaments and they're looking for casters or anything like that, obviously I'm very open to doing that. I don't have, just like I said before, I don't have any kind of like train, like I don't have a communications degree. You know, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. I'm just talking about what's on my screen and people seem to enjoy it. So if they keep enjoying it, I'll keep doing it. That's beautiful. Uh, do you guys have any other questions for our dear friend, 10 for Tim Beal, Mr. Nevels? I just want to say just to Tim, like, like, I, I feel like, like, you know, stuff, I did tune in, like, dude, I'm like obsessed with EGC. So like, I mean, that right there is the biggest reason why I like, like I have these, like, it's going to sound really corny. I have these like dreams of like one day I'm just like, Sir Nevels going like, it's like, I, I know I'm not going to reach that level, but like, that's like in the back of my head is like, what if one day I got that good? And I was an EGC TV playing this game. But uh, one thing about Tim, man, I like uh, we are saying imposter syndrome. Hey, man, like you earn that spot, man. You 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 do you do a quality job. I was blip watching EGC two tournament, uh, the 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 stream. I don't know if it was yesterday or the other day. Last time you're on, and yeah, man, like you know, like you you like there's a there's a quality standard there, man. Like just you see a difference in between, like you know, you might think yourself talking too much, but you're actually really feeling in that dead air, and sometimes. Like, that's kind of difficult, like just talking and talking and keeping thing, the ball rolling. So there's a reason why, you know, when you talk to Pesty, he said you did a good job and he said thank you because I like, do. You did you did a good job. It's not like, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's a mutual benefit there. You know, you're helping them out while, you know, they're helping get you get exposure. And, you know, like, yeah, I just all I want to say basically is like, yeah, man, I mean, for sure. I, I think you should keep it up, man. If you can, like, you know, anytime they reach out to you, if you can do it, man, keep doing it because you, you do good. You never know. You might, you know, it could turn to something that could be a little side hustle. Well, I really appreciate that. And now that you're getting into the casting realm for Rising Empires, <laughs> you'll you'll get you'll understand because you kind of hit the nail on the head there where 
the intermissions are usually the hardest part yeah. for casting because when the game's going on, there's a bunch of stuff going on on your screen. Like obviously you have things to talk about, but when you're in the intermission screen, you're waiting for a game to load in and you're just sitting there on camera and the camera's on you. You got to think, well, I kind of have to be entertaining in the exactly. interim. So at least, you know, create some conversation about the game or create some conversation about the other person, mm-hmm. you know, crack a couple jokes. That's why I love co-casting yeah. too, because yeah. if my, if my joke lands, I get an instant feedback. <laughs> you know? yep. Yep. Whereas, whereas solo casting, I'm just like saying jokes into the void, hoping someone, you know, slightly exhales out of their nose. It's like the thing about being, like, <laughs> like being just a Twitch streamer and you're just like chatting with your chat and you're saying stuff. And you're like, I think I'm funny. My mom thinks right. I'm funny. Like, am I actually <laughs> funny? <laughs> so then, like, but then like you get a couple lulls in chat and you're like, oh, okay, good. Landed. No, yeah, no, yeah, I'm, good. Awesome. I'm awesome. I'm awesome. We're good. I'm awesome. We're good. We're, but no, oh I appreciate gosh. the kind words, really. That means a lot. Thank you. Oh, yeah, man. Most definitely. Uh, Veal, did you have anything else you wanted to add or, or are we good to go to a break, you think? Yeah, nothing, nothing major. Just uh, want to just highlight again how cool it is. Uh, your path that you've taken, Tim. Um, looking at Low Elo Legends one day, playing in a Jesseology uh, game to get yourself into the community, then get into casting, um, sticking with Rising Empires for a bit and going on from there. It's really awesome to watch like other people follow that path as well. Um especially people who have like been playing in uh, rising empires tournaments, um, how they like start from players and then they turn into regulars and get pulled up into like admin positions. Um, I think it, I think it goes to show just uh, what a good nurturing community uh, age of empires four has, uh, especially compared to a lot of other games where like you've got people who want to compete against each other week after week and, Actually, it start to build communities uh, within the game. Oh, that's, yeah. what, that's what I think the crazy thing is, not just about Rising Empires, but AOE 4 as a whole. And I think it's just because a lot of us are older. Like, <laughs> again, I mean, I'm, I'm 29 and I feel like I'm an average AOE 4 player in terms of age. <laughs> you really you are. Know? So, so <laughs> like everybody, like we're not, we're not high schoolers anymore. And we don't do that drama garbage you know everyone's an adult most of us have families like Socrates, and they realize what the bigger picture is in life so it's not just you know being toxic to somebody on the internet that you don't know because my age-old rule is if you don't know somebody you never know what's going on the other side of the screen so i usually yeah. don't bm people that i don't know if they're friends look out because you're going to get it. But for, <laughs> but, for, but for people I don't know, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to talk trash on them because maybe they had a terrible day and the only thing that's going to make them feel better is playing this game. And then I root yeah. for them. Cost nothing right? to be kind. So, yep. Cost nothing to be kind. Um, exactly. So the AOE4 community, I feel like, I mean, obviously you get your fair share of it. Some people Reddit make posts on Reddit about toxic people and they're, they're always going to exist. I actually enjoy getting those every now and then. Especially when you beat uh, them, it feels kind of good. It it's like, great. oh yeah, struck my ego a little bit, please. <laughs> and you know, because it's and because it's rare, you know, like yeah. you're not getting that after every single game that you play. So every time you do get it, you get a little entertainment out of it instead of it just consistently wearing you out. I love trolling yeah. them back a little bit and just being like, I love you. You're so great. Like just like, oh man, just it's so fun. I love you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's real fun. Oh, man. Them. The best one is uh dad I think zero one one three. It has been a pleasure. Like I think it's like the one emote, like I emote or I don't even talk or I just emote. I just like put in the little taunts. 
Like that, that that's the best way to really like uh strike back. But highlighting one thing you guys said about community. Uh yeah, A we four and maybe RTS in general. See me, I come from, you know, I don't say if I come from, but I grew up playing the the dude bro games, you know, Call of Duty, Halo, and you know, Gears of War, like and you if you those communities, I'm not I gotta I gotta call them out. Call of Duty community especially. The amount of toxicity in those chat rooms, it like when I hopped on Age Empires 4 and the first thing I heard was Good luck. Have fun. I'm like, whoa, hey, man. Whoa, what's going on here? I think, I, I think you're trying to get in my head. I'm like, what do you mean? Good luck. Have fun. I will have fun. How about that? Imagine I'm like, defensive I'm over that. That's so funny. <laughs> exactly. So I'm saying, I'm getting, I'm getting nervous. I'm like, oh, gee, I'm trying to get in my head. What's happening? And then they beat me and they say, good game, well played. Excuse me? Like, I'm like, what do you mean, good game? I got, like, that is insane compared to. And you're like, yeah, but community. tell that to your mother. Exactly. Exactly. I'm like, and like, and like, let's tell you the truth. Honestly, I was okay. I, I'm not as proud of it, but my first time playing a AOE four online game, I was losing horribly, and I was talking smack. I was like, "Oh, dude, all right, good for you." I'm talking crazy, and the guy just like, "Dude, just play the game." And I and I, I look back. I I took a minute, top up game, went to the bathroom, washed my face off, looked in the mirror, and I was like, "Who are you?" You're better than this. It changed everything <laughs> for me. I really wish I had once like, and then had an exactly. ex- You talk yeah. once and then had an existential crisis. Exactly. Uh, oh, I, I, just, whole world I just have like, Michael Jackson into my mind. Like, I'm exactly. Exactly. in the mirror. Exactly. Oh, I was at so war with that man. But I'm telling you, yeah, this community really is something special. Like, just the RTS community in general. You know, it's a more mature community. A lot more respect. It's a, and it's not an easy community. So really, you just being in the game and you putting time into it and trying to learn it. It's almost like going to the gym. Like, you may not be the strongest guy in the gym, but the fact that you're there, people respect it. Mm. It was okay there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I just want to point out to, to just all of us here in our virtual town center and everyone listening, we've got a cool group of guys on this podcast right now. I mean, I'm looking at like, <laughs> we got Tim right now, who we've already just gone, gone in depth on his career so far. Uh, we've got Sir Neville's who started the Griot Bar, arguably the biggest uh, current AOE4 uh-huh. community that's only AOE4. Uh, we've got Beal, yeah. who has been a mainstay at Raising em- Rising Empires and the Griot Bar. He is everywhere. Um, I've got this podcast I started with you guys, uh, and we all stream, we all do YouTube videos. We've got a pretty illustrious group right here. I'm actually really impressed. A, a year ago, where were we a year ago with this, right? Oh, Just getting crazy, used to yeah. the game, right? So much has happened yeah. in a year. I'm really just kind of glad to, to know you guys it's been it's been real fun it's a good this is a wholesome episode i'm about to tear up a little i know we're gonna go uh, uh take care of our allergies real quick and we'll be right back <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, I'm the popular streamer AOE4 underscore hacks 99. I'm the famous Conqueror 4 player. You bet that every game of mine you watch will be entertaining and I will win. What's my secret? I'll tell you. I start by moving my town center to a better location where I make sure to plop down a few hunting cabins to get started on food gathering. When I age up to feudal, I make sure I'm building a Farimbo garrison. You bet that this is the point where I mass-produce war elephants. With the upgrades from my military school, these bad boys are practically unstoppable. It's a fail-safe way to win. Unless, of course, my opponent uses the helpful information from morenights.com 
their easy three-step process cuts through my hacks and delivers me a real challenge. www.morenights.com is not responsible for opponents rage quitting, players achieving a rank that is actually too high for them to handle, or shouting equitests at random intervals during the workday. Players should be mindful not to unwittingly lose knights to town center fire, archer pilings, or spears. Please avoid all spears to keep your knights safe. www.morenights.com is not associated with any hackers, millionaires, or anyone wearing a fake mustache. Please talk to your doctor before using knights. If you experience a game lasting four hours or longer, please seek medical attention. Morenights.com for a best way to play. And we're back. Uh, all right. We, our main discussion topic is a little more loosey-goosey than we normally do. We, we usually are pretty rigid on a topic. Today, it's basically close to the end of the season. Uh, we've got two weeks left. We're coming into the final days, the death throes of season... Uh, what are we on? Season four? Five? What is this? Season? Five. Five. Season five. Five, That's five. right. Gosh, I'm losing track. Um, so I guess we'll just kind of review what's been good, what's been bad, what do we hope to see changed and just kind of our overall opinions on it. Um, uh, maybe give some final thoughts. So we'll start with, uh, first of all, what do the devs need to do to fix, uh, the Malians next season? Obviously the patch has been working on that. We can give our thoughts about what the, uh, the, uh, pup changes will be. Is it enough? Uh, will those be added in? We're going to just kind of talk about them for a moment. Cause I think the big thing is at the beginning of the season, if you'll recall, I think uh, Delhi had kind of a quick little heyday at the first week of the season. We were talking, we we kind of guessed that Delhi might be the S tier season or S tier Civ this season. That was kind of our our uneducated guesses. Um, things were kind of moving that way. And then Malians just kind of, because we thought Malians kind of got nerfed enough. Malians were nerfed. I'm, I'm air quoting this. You guys can't see nerfed uh, at uh -huh. the start of the season. And I thought that ended the Frimba rush. That We thought that was done. Frimba Garrison's done. Malians are done. Uh, obviously that didn't quite happen, right? Malians end up quickly becoming the best Civ. Uh, most pros stopped playing them and still don't play them because it's just an automatic win on almost any map. Uh, so what needs to change to make that different? What, what do we hope to see change? I don't see Malians played very often at the lower levels. I mean, I'm at plat one right now. I don't see them very often. I see a lot of Roos, a lot of HRE, uh, a lot of a lot more French than I used to see as well. Uh, but in the pro scene, though, the Malians are just killing it up in diamond and above. What needs to change? And I know, Tim, you probably have the best. You probably you're up there high enough in the ladder. You probably know enough about what would need to change to make this better. You mentioned kind of the uh, scout health regen is a problem with those warrior scouts. As well as uh, passive yes. income. So let me hear your thoughts. Yeah, huge issue. Those warrior scouts. Um, I say this a lot in, a, in some of my casts because you can follow the warrior scout. It will if you have the APM to do it, which is why it's very, very popular in the higher, like even above my level, like Conqueror Three and all of these pro players, the the Warrior Scouts, they're able to babysit them with the APM that they have. But the regeneration of two, as of right now, it's two health per second. They take a hit from a spearman, or they might take a volley from a town center or something like that. You wait about forty seconds, and it's like it never happened. So that value that you're getting over and over again is massive and complemented with the fact that they're only 90 food and your food doesn't is not rateable because you're using a mill and you're using cattle right next to your town center so you're like well if i stop their food production you know maybe we'll get less warrior scouts not possible it's kind of it, it it feels bad because there isn't really too much that you could do about it and it helps them get to the point where they can hoard their gold because the only thing they need is the upgrade for the warrior scouts, which is 35 gold, if I remember correctly. So 
you can hoard your gold and get up to castle super fast. So the warrior scout gives you the map control. It makes sure that the other opponent, the opponent can't scout you, whether, I mean, there's argument if they need to or not, they know you're going to go for him, but, but the, and then you, that death blow is the Faramba garrison pumping mm-hmm. out those five of every unit that whatever you make, and this is the big problem with the Farimba garrison, because you didn't, you guys thought I was going to forget. You guys put Farimba in A tier. Oh my God, I'm going <laughs> to smack you around for hey, that. At least it wasn't lower. At least it wasn't lower. At least we knew it was good. <laughs> oh, if you put it in beach, I wouldn't be on this podcast. If you put it in beach, <laughs> I'd, I'd be like, don't talk to me. But the, <laughs> but the, the, the really frustrating thing for Farimba garrison is it's basically five of whatever military building you want for free in castle age the tempo yeah. swing for that number one is massive yeah secondly if they're pumping out say they're using archers which usually they do a lot because of poison arrows and all that kind of stuff so say they're putting archers out and you're like well you know what i'm going to make horsemen because it's going to counteract that so you put two or three stables down which also does does mean even if you put three stables down they're always going to have more archers but assuming that it ends up being equal they see the horsemen and they're like oh i'm just going to click the donzo button instead and then there's the counter. They don't have to make new buildings. So now you yeah. have to build two or three archery ranges to counter that. And then they're like, well, I'll just hit the javelin thrower button. And then you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> I, like can't, I can't this win. Is like, this is like right? those games you play as a kid where it's like, I hit you with my sword for 10 damage. Well, I use my magic blast for 30 damage. Well, then I've got this for 50. It's like you just whatever it is, <laughs> yeah. I can just say, oh, no, I got the win. I can I win instead. It, it, it's just that that tempo swing you especially that the warrior scouts are able to generate for you in feudal to set you up there you, you can't you can't beat it if somebody does it right it just feels unstoppable mm. so they need to with the warrior scout regeneration they are reducing it i did uh pull the malian pup notes so they did reduce it from 2.0 to 1.5 in fuel age and castle age i, I personally don't, don't think that's enough yeah um, they reduced the movement speed a little bit from 1.88 to 1.75, which is fine. Um, it still means that knights aren't going to be able to catch up to them. Knights move at 1.62, if I remember correctly. Horsemen, that makes them slower than horsemen, though, right? Horsemen's at the 1.88 still. Okay, yeah. so horsemen can catch so them up, catch up to them, them, and, and that's they can, good. They could pursue. They they can. The issue is a horseman without bloomery in feudal age still yeah, only has nine I'd, damage. Yeah, not so gonna they're just going to regenerate it. Right. So, uh, and now with the pup, their veteran upgrade, once they go to castle age, you get the bonus damage with ranged units, like how you do for the other horsemen. Um, to me, I think that means the sofa has no place anymore because you're using sofa. And the reason why you do it with the imported armor is because of how good they are against archers. You know, they're this unit that is really, really difficult to kill. And if you're nerfing not only imported armor, but you're giving the veteran uh, warrior scouts that thing over the ranged mass that you were using the sofas mm. to counter anyway, to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense to make sofas anymore. Um, they also didn't change the Faramba garrison at all, which, mm. I mean, I think I kind of belabored why the Faramba garrison's... Go- uh, I want to curse. I'm not allowed to curse. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> why the Faramba garrison is upsetting to play against. Right. So, and they didn't make any changes to it. So until they start, I mean, they got to, to me, I think that the Civ needs an overhaul and maybe I'm kind of strong arming it, but if it's continuing to play like it has been with these pup notes, I, I think it's going to carry on to the next season, to mm-hmm. be honest. I wonder if they're looking to keep, I wonder if they'll keep nerfing it. It's almost one of those things where I feel like they're going to keep trying to fine tune this and nerf it and nerf it. Maybe you're right. Maybe at what point do you just rework the whole Civ? 
because uh, if they keep nerfing it, there will reach a point where I don't know. It, the idea is that you want to nerf it until it's at that perfectly fine line between being not overpowered or underpowered, right? But maybe that doesn't even exist. What if they nerf it and then it's just either it's either viable and it's overpowered or you nerf it and it's not. And it's just completely awful. And there's no in between, I mean, you know? And, you know, I hate to be like, oh, what are they? I, I, I don't like when somebody, especially when I was at Rising Empires, I hated when somebody came to me and be like, hey, this is not the right thing to do. And they don't give me another solution yeah, or another exactly, idea exactly, try to right. figure it out well it's like cool i know what not to do but i still don't know what to do you know uh-huh. so i think if if i were to give a suggestion and i'm not sure if it's correct or not i would say the Ferimba garrison instead of making all of those units can only make barracks units as a garrison barracks kind of makes sense yeah. but able to make the donzo and the musafati because both of them and the warrior scouts pretty susceptible to archers so you, there's actually some counterplay there. That's the biggest problem, especially when you're playing an RTS game. When you're up against something and you feel like you can't, there's no counterplay against it. That's what's the most frustrating because then it feels like you're beating your head against the wall. Now I have yeah. a question. I have a question with that. So now you said just make it a barracks. What would make that different from the um, Burgrave? Because that's uh, kind of how the Burgrave was. I had that same thought. It does sound a lot more like a Burgrave all of a sudden. I, I, was, I was thinking archery range. I was thinking make it like the uh, Fremont Garrison. It's just like you get nothing. You get the javelin throwers and the archers at five at a time. I mean, honestly, one or the other. I think yeah, that's okay. Yeah, there you go. I like, yeah. I like that change. I like that change a lot. That, that'll make, if, I think that'll make it. It'd always be cool if you had like the option to pick one or the other at building it. Hmm. That'd be kind of cool. Like you could, that way there's still some versatility there. Then I, I don't know. We, we, we like we like to speculate on ideas in this now, podcast. Now, if they did that, I'm going to extend on that just a little bit because I like mm-hmm. this. I like theory crafting. This is very fun. If the if you so you build the Ferimba garrison, OK, you have to click on the Ferimba garrison and then you have to click what you want it to be, either the barracks or the archery range equivalent. And then it takes time to research into being one of those. Mm, yeah, like that's that. a okay. cool down, like a cool down. I like that. That's what just, I was thinking. Just so thing. you can't just pump out units five at a time as soon as you make it. It gives a little bit of time for your opponent to be like, okay, let me actually get my bearings before I have 80 archers barreling into my base. It'd be like looking at like uh, Abbasid's House of Wisdom. Like, okay, uh, what, what are they going for? Are they going for like this wing or that wing? You'd be looking at, okay, they're going for him, but which one is it going to be? Yeah, that'd be that'd be that'd be that'd be fun. That'd be a much more interesting mechanic. Oh, I like it. I hope someone in Relic is listening. Dude, we've been saying that like for for four months, man. Then you, <laughs> I don't think it's Relic. I know, someone I like pretending like my opinion matters. I know? know, I know. We're like we're like just shouting into the wind, aren't we? For those of <laughs> you who are listening to this podcast, we appreciate that you guys care. We're, we're glad you're here with us. <laughs> uh, well, besides Malians, uh, what are the top civs? Let's take a look. Um, Oh, you got the, you got the, see, see, Tim is really nice. He's like really professional. Um, I like didn't make much of an outline this week and Tim has like made my outline for me. I'm really, really glad we're going to bring him <laughs> back. I think sometime cause he's got the link right oh, yeah. here. Let's see. What are the top ones? Let's take a look. See. Oh, okay. Yep. Yes, sir. I mean, this is for, this wow. Malians are number one. How, wow, about it? how about that? Uh, <laughs> Roos. I'm actually not surprised to see Roos at 54. That is a little, I think you can put this note too. a little bit inflated because hideouts in the ranked map pool right now. But even if it yeah. wasn't, I do I do think they'd be hey, in the, I do think they'd still be in the green just a little bit. I think Roos is a good sieve, and it, it's it had kind of a rough patch for a moment. I think it's just still. I think with the Kremlin changes, it's a good sieve still. Yeah, it's really so, good. 
So I do want to a little bit just because of not only not only hideout because you're absolutely right. And the reason why you're right, I put that note there, too. So I appreciate it. But the uh, mm -hmm. uh, hideout, obviously, but this map pool, it just in general is pretty good for roost. Like yeah. mountain clearing is a pretty decent roost map. High view, we all know, is a good roost map. Roost map. Roost plays well on Lippany. Uh, they do well on an open map like Dry Arabia. So it, it, um, roost is a very map dependent sieve. So if you're playing on if you're playing on something that's really wide open, doesn't have a lot of uh, some of those uh, forest, the wood lines, you know, that you can really do. And they're good on hybrid maps because of their wood economy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it, it's just very fortunate that Roos has the map pool that they do now for uh, the the Kremlin. I know people talk about the, you know, the militia and how you know, the militia are so good and all that kind of stuff. But I'm not really sure if people have an understanding as to why it's so good. I actually, I actually can, I actually can speak to this a little bit. I was playing just yesterday and I lost, I was playing HRE, which I really feel like is actually in a good spot, even though the win ratings for the Conqueror don't really reflect that. HRE is in a good spot. I like where they're at. I was playing against them. The way that they, the, the aggression you can do early for free is really, really massive. But moreover, it scales really well later in the game too. As you go on, and what this guy was doing, he—I knew he was doing it, and I had nothing I could do to stop it. I was actually—it was kind of maddening. He was using his Kremlin as a front, as cannon fodder for. He like sent them in, take out my—I mm -hmm. have my military have to engage to defend my economy, and then he would send the rest of his knights and other uh, units in to fight. At that point, my guys have already fought and taken down these little gremlins. Uh, the ability to do that, to have a free front line to just kind of buffer your military and give you some free, basically free supply uh, if you use them right. I, and the versatility of that and for the defense possibilities, it is it is really good. I, I was just kind of like, oh, man, this is like being this is why it's S tier. It really kind of hit home for me when I was, I was getting my butt kicked. And yeah. for how for how cheap they are, it pretty much is free, you know, yeah. 40 food for two of these things, you yeah. know, but uh you're you're absolutely right because it's 40 food and you're paying for tempo yep. in feudal age where the game you can have somebody focused on their own base because if there's an hre player one of the reasons why Roos has a good matchup against hre is you can use those to stop something like a fast castle or create more idle time and kind of delay it a little bit it gives you time to do things like wall up relics it gives you time to do things like add a second town center if you wanted to do and they can be defensive units to get that town center up for a little bit better they're just you there's a lot of uses for them and the fact that they instantly upgrade as you go from age to age so one of the mm -hmm. things that i like doing as a roost player when i'm in feudal age I'll, I'll call a decent amount of them i'll go up to castle age at just about the same time by the time they get to the base the other uh, opponent's base they end up being castle age it's like, it's like mario getting a mushroom like right before you know going <laughs> to the browser, right like <laughs> like just the right perfect timing <laughs> While they're focused on these Castle Age gremlins and I'm creating idle time, I'm behind getting relics. You know, they, they they just gave me map control for the minute, minute, 15 seconds I need to come gather those things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Beal, are you surprised? Beal, I'm seeing Ottomans at 48.8. Does that surprise you? They're actually right in the middle for Conqueror 1. Does that surprise you, Beal, about the Ottomans? Uh, I mean, I haven't seen pros use them. Uh, I, I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of ways once you know how the ottomans play 
to shut them down. Um, cause I'm looking at the matchups, looking at platinum Ottomans are way up there. Yeah. They're, way, I was saying, they're you, way good at my, my level of play. You, you flip the diamond. Okay. They bump down a level and then you go to conqueror and they are now in the dumpster. Um, I wouldn't say the dumpster. They're just middle tier. You know, they're just in the middle. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think it's just, uh, once you know, once you know what they do and, um, you know how to play against them, they're not as great. I mean, one of the reasons I got into Ottomans was to use the military schools as kind of a crutch for not, uh, not always being on top of my production. And I think that is something, uh, if you give a plat level player, like, okay, I'm going to erase from like your mental load uh some of your production like you don't need to think about it all the time and you'll still have units generated uh i think that's that's something that definitely benefits lower ranked players um compared to when you get up to the the higher levels that's a good point you know funny enough ottomans has a 57.7 percent win rating against Malians. at the conquest. yeah i know people the ones people talk about take like, it down Malians are so good i like it no, well, you think really struggled with them? <laughs> Military school experiment may stop that, like that real. You know how the Malians have those houses around yeah, their gold. Yeah, like the you can press, you can, you maybe can pressure that a little bit more with the Ottomans, and maybe that's why they have a better win rating. I think the Ottomans' tempo and timing uh, just really goes yeah. against Malians really hard. I mean, like I think the best, yeah. the best thing I've ever seen China do the one glorious Chinese moment that cheese strat that I know Tim just loves, and actually Tim, you should almost appreciate this. Uh, it was a barbican, a barbican <laughs> we'll drop on the Malian gold, so they couldn't get the oh, throw up. Uh, hey, I, I support that. It was so good. I, I remember casting this, and I remember being just so ecstatic about it because I hated Malians, and I usually don't like Chinese. I usually yeah. don't like. I don't typically like barbican rushes. I kind of think they're kind of cheesy. But this was one of those moments. Yeah. Like, yes, out cheese the cheese. I was so <laughs> thrilled about it. I, I I really enjoyed watching that. That was that was a fun day. I think that was an extra sheep one of these days, a couple episodes ago too. You know, for me, that's like both of your high school bullies fighting each other. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, you're just like, you're just like, I hope they both get hurt. You know, it's like watching Severus Snape and Umbridge go at it in the Harry yeah. Potter books. Yeah, well, like, I, I, I hope it ends that. bad for both of them. <laughs> that's great. Oh, man. So what do we feel about? Uh, so. I think. uh as far as like where the meta of this game has been, uh, what would we say the overall meta of this season has been? My, minus Malians excluded. Okay, if we're just taking Malians out of the equation. People haven't been playing them because they know they're broken. Uh, I if I'm I, I could be wrong, but I feel like at one point booming was the meta, especially with Chinese two TC song was like the way to go, especially earlier in this game's uh, run cycle. I feel like lately I feel like it's been feudal aggression. Um, obviously the TC nerf happened a couple seasons ago. Now that really took a dent to French and Roos. Um, feudal aggression's kind of been it, right? But that has that been kind of feudal aggression. I mean, trade had a moment where trade was really big. I don't feel like trade's that huge right now. It's kind of fallen out of meta, even though I think it's still really good. Um, is feudal aggression it? Has that been the meta this season? I kind of feel like, like just from like just looking at like each civilization, kind of like you know, just I mean, it's also of course it's you know l- different levels have different type of metas, but I feel like yeah, I think you're right with feudal aggression, but I also feel like it's very heavy. It's not too much of a fast castle 
uh, meta meta anymore. I think it, I think it's a lot more of two TCs feudal aggression into uh, castle because we look at it like uh, maybe seven out of these ten civs or six out of these ten civs usually go for a second TC in the feudal age. Even we played the game uh, yesterday, Socrates, and like I think like that's like a normal thing. I think for like a lot of civs like English, you know, I see a lot of people just going two TCs, you know, into you know, possibly castle and maybe go three TCs with the King's Palace. HRE, I see a lot of games that they're, they're getting stoned early. Abbasid, of course, you know how that works. French, with their, with French, with their buffs mid throughout the season, French are always going two TCs now. We know how China works. China, they're always going two TC Song Dynasty. Some people feel like if you don't go that, you're not even, no point in playing the Civ. Um, like and on um, Roos, I mean Roos, you know, like they had their build where it was you go Golden Gate Byerstone, but now they kind of have it to where like you still go two TCs with the Roos now early, but now it's maybe even better now because with the Kremlin you could just send basically like I said earlier, like almost like this cheap militia just to go right like basically harass the other uh, opponent, basically free military while you go second TC. So usually a lot of times when you go, you know, you early pressure, you're delaying that second TC, which really you don't do anymore because with the, with the Kremlin, you get a bonus of wood and you can just send them over to stone too at the same time and get that second TC while you're harassing. I'm really, so glad, I I had, that, I'm really glad you said uh, you keep mixing up Kremlin and Gremlin like I do. That makes me feel a bit better. Oh, did I, did I, did I say that? I saw you said it. I do that all the time. I, I, might, have, I might have done that. My I, brain, I do, I do that every time. I always say the Gremlin <laughs> instead of Kremlin. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, like, yeah. So I feel like if you ask me, the meta now is – I mean, you got the obviously, you know, the similar in Mali, you got, you know, Mongols and, uh, you know, probably not. So, but I say it's a 60% two TC into castle, but a lot, but in a lot of fighting and feudal and kind of just pass and go. Cause I, I, I play a lot of games now. And a lot of times when I play civilizations that go fast castle, it doesn't really, I don't lose a lot of those games. See, like, I'm not saying like I'm really good. good with HRE. HRE fast castling has actually been like awesome for me lately. I have been kicking trash <laughs> against, See, against I love that it. try to go 2TC and try to go more passive. I See, mean, those who I, go well, aggression, like just full 1TC aggression, mm-hmm. I've had some struggles with, but for those who go like a little slower, I feel like HRE's been in a good spot just going up to castle fast. I just, like i just feel if you scout the hre like i played a game where a guy went like dude this guy went castle the hre i think in at least eight minutes like he literally he he managed economy so i mean i've seen seven i've seen 730 before yeah that's insane like and i when i see that i love it i'm like yeah go ahead because i know they have no military i know they're probably going up with what's like okay so basically how it works is like it's like you know they're going up with regnants you if you just wall off the relics, I say yeah, uh, wall off the relics. That really slows down that fast castle push. And if you just and you already know they're probably gonna go mid arms. Most on our on this level I play like when people go fast TC with HRE, they're usually sitting on They don't really go cavalry. Some do, which throws me off. But a lot of people I see they go into bird grave and they rush out mid arms to get the advantage. We have no counter in. Uh, uh, feudal, but really, what I do, I see that I just focus on going castle. I make a lot. I make a dump load of archery ranges. So the moment I hit castle, I'm spamming out crossbowmen, and then like it just kind of throws them off. Like, just I feel like the fast castle build is, I guess, besides HRE and Molly, kind of not the meta anymore. Mm. I could be wrong. 
so with, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You had a, uh, there, there's a lot of things I want to unpack mm-hmm. for that one, but, um, for the, and you can, you are right. There's a lot of sieves that kind of go to TC. I think with most of the sieves that I play now, it's two TC until proven otherwise, essentially. Mm-hmm. But yeah. for, I would say for Delhi, they're going to stay one TC. Mali, they're going to stay one TC because they don't Ottomans, need villagers Ottomans anyway. Will probably stay one for a while. And Ottomans, yeah. right? Because they're yeah. getting their probably production. Models, probably models too. Probably models the most. Even HRE, I think HRE is going to try and still fast castle sixty percent of the time. Really? I think if I if think the so. HRE is going to if the HRE is going to fast castle, obviously yeah. it yeah. should be a matchup yeah. where they should be doing it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Of course, so of course. Uh, if they do go on a one TC fast castle, their payoff, the reason why they go fast castle and the reason why the other civs go two TC and feudal is because you're going to be losing economically if you don't. So the reason why Mali stays on one TC is they get all the resources for, they they don't need villagers anyway. They get all the resources for free. So they don't care. They only have to worry about gold. So they don't have to worry about the other three resources. So who cares? Um, For Delhi, they get their economy in terms of sacred sites. Right? Yeah. So they don't have to build the second TC for the Ottomans. They get their economy in terms of free units. So they don't need to build the yeah. second TC for HRE. They get them by relics. So yeah. usually for people that do the FC, they're going to do Regnus cathedral and they're going to get relics out. So you're exactly right with talking about walling relics. I know it's something that a lot of lower ELO players might not necessarily do. And you might not think about, maybe you don't have the APM, you know, whatever, but you should be, you should be walling relics yeah. if you have the opportunity to, because what you should be doing for HREFC, again, I'm talking about in a vacuum, but what you should be doing is uh, knights in Fast Castle because then you mm-hmm. have the mobility to go in multiple different areas where the multiple different relics are and you yeah. have a heavy hitting unit that can contest pretty much everything in Feudal. So if people like the Burgrave strategy needs to have instant payoff within probably about three or four minutes of you making it. Mm-hmm. And Works if well you on don't water. have well that, on water, but yeah. I love it on water. And, and, but if you don't get that, you're yeah. you're so far down. Like you're so yeah. behind just on uh, from an economic standpoint and militaristic standpoint, because, again, that Burgrave, it's not a Farimba. You can only make spears, men at arms and land snakes out of it. So if yeah. you're, you know, they could easily counter that. Yeah, right. I. uh I think, uh, like you said, if you go, if you scale, if you actually go to fast castle and you start making stables instead of trying to make a bunch of men at arms, I think that's a lot better. Like that'd be way harder to deal with. Get some knights on the field early, harass the enemy's economy, which distracts them from the relics. Like I, I, I see, I see a lot of people, at least uh, a lot of players on like these gold, you know, early plaque, where they always just go men at arms because like they feel like okay there's no counter for them in feudal i've been going you know, uh, i've actually been going horse i've been throwing in some horsemen in men at arms because I, I always go for crossbows so i've been going like horsemen yeah almost at that times. also like, worked I, yeah it's a great effect to that and going for some siege like it hre's HRE HRE really right now. i really HRE's i really enjoy too. them yeah they've definitely been I my mean, I, choice this season i think that's why they haven't got that many patches this new season coming up because they really what's really wrong with them there's Not really much really i mean their I fuel age is a bit a bit rough their fuel age can be a bit rough yeah i mean their castle age they have the fastest castle oh, i know yeah. of I, I don't know i don't know if anyone can get up to castle faster than 730 other than hre maybe Unless, was what was molly's times at the time i think molly was oh, really had a pretty quick too. one too huh yeah back when they were like the the cows the what they call the 
their beef. I don't know, but they were going crazy with that uh, one beer where they got Faremba and like probably like, but maybe not as fast as HRE, but they're they're competing. And I think that's why also Molly was a huge counter to HRE. They still are, I believe, because of the uh, the man, the so Warriors. Uh, yeah. Everything, everything. So, Mollians are just awful. Yeah, Mollians are they're just good. They're just really good, Sid. And uh, yeah, but I don't have a guy started. But I think uh, like who do you think has a better castle, HRE or Delhi? Because well, I mean, that, one counter is another one, right? That yeah, that matchup has in historically in AOE four that matchup has always been one sided towards the HRE, just okay. because their ability to get to Castle Age and the Delhi historically really struggle with things like men at arms and armored units in feudal because mm-hmm. they only have the spearmen, horsemen, and archers. Obviously, yeah. it's going to be different in next season, right? We're going to get the Gazi Raiders. That, so, that was so dope. Yeah, um, and I think I think they're going to be a fantastic. Just uh, they're they're. I think that's the one downside to Delhi in feudal age. So I think if people want to play a feudal age civilization, you should probably learn Delhi. Yeah, I like. I am planning on switching from Ottomans over to Delhi, or at least have Delhi as a backup, um, just for the Ghazi Raiders. That's yeah, funny because I feel like, I feel like uh, the the feudal age aggression for Ottomans is pretty dang good too. Oh yeah, yeah. I just struggle against men at arms. Yeah, that that's is, true. That's true. Yeah. Against HRE, that's a rough matchup for Ottomans. Yeah, I try to go fast castle Ottomans against Actually, HRE. I think, to be I think honest. English makes a rough time for them too because English also gets early men at arms. Mm-hmm. Oh. What are we? What are we? So, so Beal, you're looking at hopping, jumping ship. Are you? Are you? That Zagazi Razor is. Did you? Play with that at all during the pop by chance or just looking I, at the stats? Nope, just looking at just to have something that uh, deals bonus damage against heavy units and feudal mm-hmm. is something that I have like, oh, this is nice. Uh, I'd like to play with that unit. Uh, oh, it's mounted. It can move around fast. You can position it. That's great. Uh, and I mean, my preferred play style has basically always been um, heavy feudal aggression. Uh, from when I first started playing as the French, and then I played like English all-ins after that, and then picked up Ottomans after that. So Delhi kind of just slots right in there with with my preferred play style. Hmm. It's it's crazy. Wait, Bill, you started playing French? Yeah, back in season two, uh, French Whoa. was the first like build order I actually learned. And same here. Pretty so I listen serious. French I mean, back. yeah, it's not a hard build order to follow. It's like, oh, I'm gonna make <laughs> nice. Oh, many gold, a bunch on food, yep. uh, food a couple exactly. on wood, make nights. www.morenights.com, everyone. Morenights.com, baby. Oh, I'm sorry, not man. Listen, French is back though. I'm not gonna say, I'm, I don't know. French listen, is not man. in the dumpster anymore, but it's still not great. No, I want listen, look, listen. I want it to be. I, I, I understand, Stenables. I want it just as much <laughs> as you do. I like the French build order. I like French. I love their little equites that they say when they ride their knights. I like French a lot. <laughs> they're they're not back. They're they, I, the, the listen, stats don't back it up. I, the play style doesn't back it up. They, they can they are better than they were when they were in the absolute dumpster. Their dumpster bad. is no longer on fire. But they're still not winning the race. Okay, may not be winning the race, but when I say when I say back, yeah, they're not back on top. They're not S tier anymore. They're back to med- mediocrity. 
Hey, hey, we're, that's all we're shooting for. Because at first, man, they was looking we're pretty shooting rough. For mediocrity. <laughs> shooting for mediocrity oh, right now, man. I'm telling you right now, man, the French, though, like the way it's pretty funny how the French, how they balance with this civilization. Because really, what happened was it kind of just reverted back to what it was. Like, I kind of, I don't think the French really got, they did fix that one. I guess there was a bug. I think you told me, Socrates, like last episode, that there was a bug where. They weren't doing any damage prior to their. They would charge. Prior, they would take three yeah. three hits after they would charge, and it would still take three hits to. Like yeah, actually, the bonus yep. damage was being weird. It was it was being weird. Now you charge and then hit, and they're dead. And you used to have to have bloomery to make that a thing. Yeah, you don't need that anymore. Which yeah. they get for free, but you don't need that. Listen, if French lads, like I said it, I said it, I think I said it last episode. Premium sieve for premium players. I'm telling you, <laughs> French. Listen, don't sleep on them, man. Like they're not listening. I mean, I've, been, micro- I've been playing them, Sir Nevels. I have been playing, mixing in some French. I mean, I've listen, been injury, we, English, and a little bit of French when I'm feeling, you know, risky. <laughs> when we we played yesterday, man. Listen, dude, that game you you were rating okay, my economy okay. was, who won, I was going who through won? it. Who won? Who won that game? Listen, because I, I went the, the, the French guy win. No, I lost. I lost listen, the French guys. Listen. I'm French happy. I don't want to say it. I'm happy. Yeah, You're yeah. honest with the community. I did take that dub, but I played off metal too. Though I was too, sweating. I, I I was sweating. My eyes were out of my skull. I was sweating. I was quiet the whole game. What am I ever quiet? I was quiet the entire game because I was trying <laughs> so hard to win. Like, but dude, I watched that game back. Like towards the end of the night, man, you killed so much of my economy. That's what meant the French man. They're there. They're there. They're there. And I was dead. So, so guys, for anyone who doesn't yeah. know, uh, me and Sir Devils, he wanted to do a show match. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, he played English. I was we were on uh, what was it Dry Arabia? I think. Yeah, I think it was Dry, dry Arabia. Arabia. I went French. He went English. I thought he'd do a standard English thing. He went Abbey and memes. I would decide. Oh, I'm going to be off meta with French. I'm going to build two TCs right off the bat, and I'm not going to do a bunch of feudal aggression because I know he's going to do something silly. I I I, I really should have just gone all in with my knights, but he we I ended up keeping it going long enough. We ended up getting he got to Imperial Age, and I just couldn't get up in age fast enough. I just kept producing knights. I did radio economy a lot, but I think English a Imperial lot, English bad. Imperial is very good, and it was only a matter of time. I think that game had been over for twenty minutes before you finally mm-hmm. finished me off. Because man, it was a two TC build. That was the biggest thing. Abbey of memes. You went three TCs on me. That was that was weird. Hey, actually, turn out. Actually, say the truth, man. I didn't go Abbey of memes. I think you, I think oh, thought it I not? did. Was it? I thought it did. I went. I went council. I went oh. council hall. But I, but I didn't make any archers. Okay, my fault. That, <laughs> that explains <laughs> it. Then I was like, wait, man. <laughs> why didn't you make but, Abbey then? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I should have. Exactly. I should have, dude. Listen, man. I was a little confused. I was. I was. <laughs> listen. That was a weird this, game. It's mine right here. Listen. This is right here. This is my strategy. If you don't know what you're doing, your opponent will never know what you're doing. That's, the American, you go, that's right? the American like war, American war strategy, right? Like exactly. If you don't know what you're doing, your enemy will never know what you're doing. That's my <laughs> that's a spoiler of my extra sheep right there. I'll say that. So that's a bonus extra sheep right there. Oh jeez. <laughs> it was a good game though. Yeah. What are we most excited? Okay, I, minus uh, I know Beal's excited for the Gazi Raiders. Minus the changes and hopefully a fix to Malians eventually. What are we most excited for next season? Uh, new maps. New maps. New map. The new new maps. Bringing Golden Heights into uh, the game, which is huge. I hope that mm. sets a precedent for additional tournament maps. Yeah, I, I, that, oh yeah. Uh, now that Golden Heights is coming in, that's a uh, quick shout out to Bitterland. Actually, if you guys don't know who Bitterland is, he does a lot of. He did a lot of the maps for Red Bull Wallow. Yeah. Um, uh, he actually reached out to me before Red Bull Wallow, and I tested some of them. So ones like uh, Gorge. And Golden Heights, I tested. 
Um, so I'm glad I'm glad I'm seeing Golden Heights to come back because I thought it was a pretty fun map to play with. It's so it's such an interesting dynamic how just because water is as dominant as it is, that 15 percent of the map that happens to be under underwater is the most important part. It makes for mm-hmm. super fun games to cast. It makes for super fun games to watch for people. So now that it's actually implemented and hopefully we see it in the uh, in future tournaments as well. I know it's in a decent amount of rising empires, ones like war chief club and all that kind of stuff, but big shout out to him because a lot of the maps that you see on EGTC and um, he was picked up by uh, the people that make age of empires for their, for the maps that he does. He does an outstanding job. Wow. That's awesome. Right. That's put, a, put I did him not know on did not know he got him on by staff. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Put him on staff. I'm happy they got him on staff. Well, Golden Heights has been a fan favorite for the moment. Uh, people have saw it, seen it in tournaments. It's been so, it's such a good map. It's just I, so I, interesting. It's so interesting. You know, like yeah. there, you're never going to see on another map. You're never going to see a 10 minute dark age. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's so, a. I'm yeah, telling it, you, man. There's just there. so many. Uh, so many things like the fact that the PCs spawn so close to each other mm. as well, and that there's only three uh, deep water fishing nodes in the actual pond makes it so it's you can lose that pond and still win. Like it's not as uh, lose water, lose the game as a lot of the other hybrid maps are. The timings in that I mean, it's one still matter. Yeah, super important, but. You can still, you can still build an army and get it over to your like, because your your opponent is just like one screen over. Um, I don't know, a lot of interesting stuff on that map. I'm also really excited for the new season. Um, Team Voice Chat. I want to see all the content being created. Oh, I don't. <laughs> I'm not just looking forward to that. So I am, uh, so I, so I'm worried I'm about that one. Yeah, I'm a little worried too. I'm not gonna lie. I hope it doesn't taint. You know the uh aoe4 community a little bit i don't, I I don't think it's gonna yeah. ma- make a difference to me because i don't think i'm ever gonna be, do team games except yeah, for ones on discord through the great bar yeah. or something oh yeah shout out there we go but uh most definitely i agree i'm just gonna i don't i just think aoe4 doesn't need team chat like i just feel like the typing is, is fine like i feel like it works out just perfectly fine i feel like they open too many windows for too much toxicity and things is not going it I don't know. Maybe let's see how it goes. Let's just see how it goes. Because yeah. I mean, dude, they, you 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 can't even say poo without it being blanked out. So imagine like, whoa, watch it. Whoa, whoa, sorry, I know, sorry, I know, sorry, I apologize. I got a little got a little out of hand there. The P sorry. word is off limits. <laughs> <laughs> Calm this man down. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I forgot. I just, <laughs> lost, lost it there. I lost it there. But I'm telling you, yeah, man. So, like, I mean, the fact that you, you're you literally blocking all these very innocent words and then you allow voice chat, like, whoa, that's a big that's a big step there. Are we, are we sure we're ready for that yet? Because oh, I know we would never be ready I mean, for that, let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, I really hope it doesn't become a one rotten apple spoils the bunch kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. But I will. think it has an overwhelming potential to be that. Yeah. Yeah. It really I agree. Does. Um, what am I, I looking for? I'm trying to think what I'm looking forward to next season. Honestly, I'm just excited for more content. Yeah, oh yeah. I, I think that's my big thing. I'm excited to hear about more civs coming in. I'm excited for 
I'm excited for the meta. I think it's definitely been a long enough season. I'm ready for a mix up again. I'm ready for things to get feel a little more fresh. I, th- I think mm-hmm. you kind of nailed it. More maps, that better map pool. I don't think the map pool in this game for ranked has been S tier by any means. It's it's gotten be- it's had its highs and lows. Better. Yeah, it's it's definitely it could be better. I definitely look forward to having more nights or not more nights. Well, I look forward to having more nights from more nights. Uh, I look more forward nights. to having com. more maps. And I, I am glad to hear that. That's the first. I mean, I'm glad we had Tim on because that's the first I knew about Bitterland getting picked up by Microsoft. Do that for the game. I, I, that's huge. That's that's yeah, way man, cool. He deserves it. Yeah, his oh, stuff yeah, his creations definitely. have been super good. Uh, what else? What, is there anything else we're looking forward to? Or are we just running out of stuff to say? I mean, uh, I mean, I guess, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if they actually, you know, how popular Empire Wars is. Not really technically oh, mine. Yeah. It's not really my, you know, it's not my, you know, I kind of like the Dark Age portion of it, but it is pretty, it's very popular for AOE too. And that's a lot where the tournaments are hosted and it's going to be a, a Empire Wars tournament. So the fact that they're even implementing that in the game, I mean, it's good for the game overall. Not really my cup of, my cup of tea, but... You know, and then it gives me hope for there being a Red Bull Wallow coming up. Because, mm. like, uh, the, oh. the reason why I think it's better in AoE 2 is because most of the time for AoE 2, and I might be speaking out of ignorance, but most of the mm-hmm. time in AoE 2, your Dark Age is the same. Yep. Your build is pretty yeah. much the, your build is pretty much the same. For this, because there's 10 very different sieves, their Dark Age builds are very, very different. You know, there's mm-hmm. things like Roost who you have that Dark Age minigame that you got to play. Yeah. You don't have that when you're in Empire Wars. So to me, I think it eliminates some parts of the game that I personally find enjoyable. I like the Roost minigame. I'm one of those sick psychopaths who actually enjoy <laughs> it. But for, you know, and there's things like military schools. There's things like Vanguard Men at Arms rushes yeah. as English. You know, there's t- things like Tower Rushes as Mongols that you can't do there's even just something there's even just something to like that yeah personally again this game is so stressful after five minutes anyways i kind of like having just a minute or so like two minutes to get into the game start scouting start getting sheep like i i can get into a good vibe or sometimes a really bad vibe if i don't find enough sheep like i as a guy who has a podcast named after the bells of those beautiful sheep i love just gathering those i love having that knowing a moment i've got yeah, a moment or two before I'm getting attacked. Like I'm not immediately thrown into the fire. I kind of like I'm an older guy, I guess now in the heart. You know, I'm in spirit. I'm an old man. I like setting up shop nice and slow. Uh, I don't know if Empire Wars is really going to be for me. I will try it out. I definitely will try it out and report yeah. what I think about it. But I think it's good. I think Those... it's good that we're adding options. I think this game is good with options in the game. Like giving people the choice is I always yeah. I think always a good thing. I think also, too, I mean, like you said, you know, like for the AOE purists, the guys that stuck around like us, the guys that didn't jump ship, you know, we like the Dark Age. But I think the Empire Wars, I think them just trying to implement that to the game is going to probably try to bring in possibly new players. And, you know, not everybody, like especially for the spectators, a lot of people have like, you know, the attention span. They can't get through the Dark Age. They're like already like, get on with it. Let's go. So like Empire Wars is a little bit more, I guess maybe a little better for people spectating it. And, you know, maybe people who aren't boomers, you know, maybe they're a little racy and they're just like, I'm, I'm ready to start fighting. I don't, I don't care about this whole build up. I'm, I'm trying. I don't care about learning build orders because only difference between uh, AOE 4 and 2 with the Empire Wars is that and I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure. But AOE 4, you age up a landmark. So, like, you don't even start in Feudal Age in AOE 4. You still start in Dark Age. 
but you just have everything there to advance super early, pick what landmark you want. Right. Because because in four, I mean, I thought two, you, you start off in feudal age, whereas in one, you're still in dark age technically, but you have all the resources there to immediately pick which landmark you want and get it buzzing mm-hmm. from there. Yeah. So it's a little different. Um, is there, let's see, I had a question I was going to throw at you guys real quick. Um, are there any other changes we expect to see that we haven't seen in the pup, you guys think, or any other big changes that you guys expect to see? Maybe a nerf to Molly and passive income. Yeah, yeah. We're, I mean, obviously, obviously, we're hoping for, for the Molly and Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope, dude. It still looks like <laughs> uh, that passive. I think the passive income with Molly is just, I don't know the so exact much. numbers of it, but they're just so like they can fight you with like, a, they can support a 90 military with like 50 economy. It's like, whoa, what? They don't have, they have like, you go to their base, they have no villagers. They've been fighting this heavy off of literally 50 mm. villagers. And if, like I played a game where the guy literally had like a hundred military and like forty five economy because he had so much passive income. I'm like, this is insane. That Kyle's going, it's just crazy. But maybe that, maybe that's all. That's all I really think of right now. Yeah. Anything? I, mean, I think I, anything else. Or we I, can have to a break. I think the dev team isn't quite done with the Keshuk yet. For Mongols, mm. I think we might. I think we might see some changes there because for the Mongols, one of the things that is difficult to play with them is they're supposed to be this aggressive civ and that's how they were designed. Right. And obviously they have the dark age tower rush and all that kind of stuff, which is great, but feudal, they try to skip as fast as possible. And there's a reason why Mangadai aren't that great. Uh, And that's the only unique unit that they really have in feudal age. Now with the Keshik, it could propel something like a dark age tower rush or some kind of dark age superiority that they do that propels into a unit like the Keshik. And I'm not sure if what they gave the Mongols, either A, it's not enough, or B, it's way, way too much, and then Mongols become oppressive again, because it's a very difficult civilization to actually balance, because you saw how many differences in the towers that there were, and if anybody remembers back to season zero, which is I like to call before the rank season started, when people would just slam their main town center right in front of you. Oh gosh. If anyone, if anyone got town center rushed before I've, I've, <laughs> been, I've been town center rushed and I have beaten that opponent with it. I, I was so proud to beat them back. I was, I was so oh, that's really good. That's impressive. That was one of my that favorite was... games. I, I was, I was fuming. I was like, Oh, you did not. I was, I was so pissed <laughs> off. I won. I won that game. It was a good game. Yeah. That I, was, I feel like that uh, Mongol, that Mongol TC rush was the first time I made the Kremlin. That long ago. <laughs> no, oh, even though yeah. the Kremlin didn't have all the stuff the Kremlin does now, I'll tell you what: against the TC Tower Rush, really took them out. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I feel like okay, Mongol. Here's here's a hot take. Here's here's Socrates' hot take today. Uh, Mongols were the old Malians. Malians now are what the Mongols used to be in the beginning of this game. Like I feel so, like they're the I, wild card, I, kind of like the wild card, different civ that operates completely different from all the others. Uh, and is just super oppressive in many ways. I could definitely see that from a counterplay perspective, you know, especially back then when the towers were easier to build and had cheaper wood and all that kind of stuff, um, or cheaper uh, wood costs. The ability to counterplay it was very difficult because you needed to, one, get up to feudal age, two, put down an archery range, three, make three archers, four, put down a blacksmith, five, get siege engineering, six, make a ram. And it cost them 75 wood. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? So, so when you when I say it like that, you're like, yeah, that kind of sucks, doesn't it? You know, and, but that's the counterplay you needed to take down a tower and do it effectively. But while you're going through the mental gymnastics to go through all of that, your opponent just hit Castle Age. And he's going to come at you with Castle Age Lancers. And now <laughs> you think you got down a tower, try getting three Lancers all the way around your base. You're probably screwed, right? So... I actually, I can see where you're coming from and I have half a mind to agree with you. Yeah, obviously I don't think they're that way now. I mean, obviously Malians are the new quote unquote Mongols of the right. last season or two and they've, they've kind of filled that void because I think of all the civs, Mongols were the most unique before. Um, looking at like just a list of civs between, I mean, Chinese yeah. was unique, but like I think of all China. the civs, uh, clearly Mongols was the most, I think, unique of all the civs oh, yeah. that we had in the old pool. Now with Malians in the mix, I think they are, they definitely have the most unique units. Most everything is just works so fundamentally different compared to every other Civ. Uh, and, I, and I think I mean, we're seeing similar complaints. People complain about them. The, the complaints I hear about Malians echo to me the feelings of how people complained about Mongols. And so hopefully in a couple seasons, we'll have a new Civ yeah. to, you know, hate on. Maybe it'll be the Byzantines that are just completely cracked or something, you know? Oh, I was gonna be the Danes. They're gonna be crazy. It'll, it'll be the Danes. Yeah, it'll be the Danes. Danes. It'll be insane. They're like, all right, come on now, really? We got one berserker who can kill literally a whole army. And, and of the Jap- like, here's, here's, a, here's a hot take prediction: the Japanese, if they ever make that a civ, will be the coolest civ everyone wants to play it, but they'll absolutely suck. Hey, I'll I'll go silver too. Playing Japanese, <laughs> I don't care. Dude. I'll play See, exactly. <laughs> I, 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 you you and millions of others, you guys will be like that that wall of like Buzz Lightyears who all have the same opinion. Like I'll play them anyways. Like that's gonna be Japanese. That it's. I had a question. I, we, we we need a mirror match percentage is gonna be when Japanese comes out. Oh, the mirror Every match percentage. That's gonna be nothing but mirror matches oh, for gosh. a whole season. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Already, yeah, guys. We'll we are. Uh, I think we've. I think we're really excited for the next season to come out. Hopefully the last two weeks are fun for everyone. I think we'll take a quick break and then we'll end our episode with our extra sheeps. Hello there. It's me again, Sockerton's wife. I am editing this episode yet again because I enjoy it, not because... Soccer tin made me. So it's time for some shout outs. Outs, outs, outs. Yay. First, we'd really like to give a big thanks to Tim for coming on. It was a really great episode. Good time to chat with him. The boys had a lot of fun with it. Really glad to have your insights and all that you brought to this episode. So thank you. Um, there's a few community shout outs that we'd like to give, like. To the Griot Barra. Big shout out to them. It's an awesome Discord channel that was started by Sir Nevels. It's a great community to find other players at your skill level and find teammates, dive into team games. Um, there's also weekly jousts and tournaments and lots of other discussions and threads about various things related to AoE 4. So that's cool. Go give it a look. Also, Rising Empires is also a Discord and Twitch channel. The Twitch channel hosts weekly tournaments. Um, They have a low ELO legends for players anywhere from bronze to diamond, as well as the war chief club for those big bad players that are super good. Unlike me, who's unranked because I only play with Sockerton. They talk about not knowing a bronze player, but here I am lower than bronze. 
We are on Patreon if you want to support us there. Um, we do have some things in the works for our Patreon supporters. Um, there's a lot of content that isn't necessarily published because it's talked about during breaks or before the show starts or after the show ends um, where the boys are chatting. My favorite one that I'm working on right now is the boys talking about eight layer dip. Um, it should be good. <laughs> they're just, they're really funny. So why don't you head over to Patreon and support us there? Um, I know that they're also talking about creating the extra sheep merchandise. So look for that possibly soon. Life is crazy. So we'll see how fast we get to it. But there you are. We would love to hear your ideas and feedback on podcasts. Um, you can find us on Discord at Soccerton on Twitch, um, where there's threads made specifically for your questions and your comments. You can also reach via email at Soccerton at gmail.com. Lots of appreciation for you guys and all that you do to support this channel. Share it with your friends, write notes and attach them to carrier pigeons, encouraging your city to listen to this podcast. Uh, smoke signals to China about the Extra Sheep podcast. Um, we really have a good appreciation for you guys. This wouldn't be possible without you um, and the good things that you do and your support. Big thank you again to everyone, to Tim, to Nevels, to Bill, to Socraton for this show. You guys are great. Back to the sheep talking people. And we're back. Uh, we were just having a fun chat about uh, regional dialects. Um, <laughs> uh, we, before we get to our extra sheets, we had one more point we, I really wanted to cover. This almost was our main topic for today, but I didn't think it would go on that long to be that way. But this is a point I wanted to talk about. Um, with it being the end of the season coming up, ranked anxiety. This is something Mr. Neville's has mentioned a couple times and has wanted to talk about mm -hmm. more. I've wanted to touch on this as well. Um, I think we've all felt it to a degree. Um, and I'm curious to see what we do about it and what we think devs could do to ease this issue. So if you don't really know what I'm talking about, ranked anxiety, have you ever been climbing the ladder? You maybe maybe you're like at gold, right? And you finally reach plat one. Uh, I think this is probably where it's the most common. Or maybe diamond one if you're a bit higher than I am or even conch one. You know, whenever you cross that threshold, that's been so hard and so elusive. Nothing's worse than when you hit plat one and then immediately lose your next game and boop, you're one point shy of plat again and you're back into gold so what do you do you tend to stop playing ranked right you stop playing the ladder you either do team games you go quick match you just stop or you maybe you smurf right maybe you have a smurf you have an alt account you do something different i don't know if that's great for the game um but that's ranked anxiety and i know i'm feeling it right now with my plat one right now i finally i i, I had to really fight to get back up to platinum one for whatever reason this year just because i put me super low bound in gold one when i started i just I've been busy, had a kid, just couldn't really grind out the ladder like I normally do. Uh, and I think a part of it for me is because as far as the rewards go for the end of the season, uh, you have to finish at that level to get the rewards. So if I want those platinum rewards, I have to end the season in platinum to get them. Even if I had hit, I, I could have hit diamond for all I care back at the beginning of the season. If I end in gold, I'm not even getting plat rewards. And so my yeah. personal take is the easiest way to fix part of this, at least at least a part of it would be to have the reward system work that 
it just counts whatever your highest rating was and gives you those rewards at the end of the season. I can most definitely agree with that one. Yeah, I mean, that's to me, that's kind of a no brainer, yeah. to be honest yeah. with you. Um, but I'm glad I'm glad we are talking about this because uh, ranked anxiety or just anxiety in general, to be honest, is something that I deal with with patients on a daily basis. You know, so when there is uh, for ranked anxiety, you kind of to figure out for some people why you you got to find the root cause as to why they don't want to queue for a game. If it's because of the rewards, there could be some different. We're not going to get deep interest, introspective, psychoanalytical, you know, with this, <laughs> yeah. with this podcast. Tell me about your but, mother. Tell me about your mother and her disapproval. Right. Oh, yeah, tell me about your childhood, man. Enough. How'd you grow? <laughs> you know, but um, there's there's an internal reason as to why you feel anxious to queue up for a game. It takes a little soul searching to actually figure it out, and you kind of address that before you get to actually going through those ranked games because for some people it's not just the pixels that you get from being a difference between conqueror or diamond or from being from gold to plat like you said sometimes it's how they identify themselves a little bit you know like if they finish or if they don't if they get to plat one like you said you lose you get to gold three maybe they have the sensation of you know what i think i deserve to be gold anyway you know and they kind of they they look down a little bit on themselves when they have that and then they don't want that to get affirmed so they don't want to queue again right mm. so so and i know for just from my personal perspective i mean we talked about imposter syndrome during the interview but for for me when i hit conk i'm never queuing again because <laughs> because if i queue again i and i lose i'll be like i didn't deserve conquer anyway mm. and then you don't have that and then you don't have that confidence going forward. It could be just a personal mm-hmm. thing, or it could be something that a lot of other people experience too. I think we but, all feel that a little bit. Cause I mean, I, I, oh yeah, it's like, I want to finish in plat. Like for me, like part of it is I want to have the rewards. That's, that's, that is a big chunk for my motivation, but there is that little bit of, I want to have it be in my AOE four world. I want to see that I finished in plat. Like I am a plat player like that. that there is like something to it. Like, and I know I'll, I'll regress to gold three again, or maybe I'll maybe reach plat two or a higher, I think there is kind of an identity crisis about this game sometimes of where you're at and how you present yourself to others too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I mean, when you're talking in things like Twitch chats or discords or any of those other people by the game, they're going to be like, Oh, what rank, what are, rank you? are you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. And <laughs> so true. when you're in the AOE four community, you have a little bit of identification based on what rank you are. So if I tell people, cause people ask what rank I am, I tell them I'm conqueror one. They'll be like, Oh, you're a conk player. So they're actually going to take my opinion a little bit more seriously. Right. <laughs> if you're, um, if I told them I was a diamond player, you have the hidden, uh, fear in the back of your head where you're like, well, they're just going to think I'm a mediocre player and they're not going to listen to me or whatever. Cause people yeah. love being listened to obviously. So I think kind of, it's very difficult to branch away from that because that's the only real number the real status that you can get in aoe at this point so besides being you know like a top 20 in the like world or something like that if you're so high up there it doesn't even matter anymore but yeah yeah for us plebs like that's that ranked that's kind of all we can get that's all we can attain right um what i would say in terms of what to do about it and even i tell i tell patients this to do it especially if they have a specific phobia is go and fail once actually like if you're if you're having ranked anxiety and you're like well i just got to plat one or i'm queuing for plat one i don't think i could do it whatever 
Just do it. What What's the worst thing? I agree. Happens? If you fail, I agree. you lose a game. So what? Does yeah. Your life, it, it, does your Does your life change at all? <laughs> no. No, it doesn't. I had I, I had this experience. So um, just to give you background too, I um, in my early twenties, I went to the gym a lot. I went to the gym twice a day, six days a week, and I did it for about five years. Whoa. Yeah. So. And once I started medical school, I kind of it dropped off because, you know, you don't really have a life when you're in medical school. So um, when I started going again, I had a lot of anxiety going because I was like, well, you know what? I'm this really frimpy guy and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I don't feel like I belong there anymore or any of that kind of stuff. But the best thing that I could have done is to go and fail. Because then I walked out of the gym and my life didn't end. Everything was fine. I think a lot of people with this ranked anxiety and anxiety in general, it's a lot of fear of the unknown. So you can get in your head and you start spiraling and you think about the worst possible situation, which isn't even or the worst possible to you, which in the grand scheme of things isn't actually possible. So just do it and fail and know that you're going to be alive at the end. And then you won't have that problem. Yeah. I, yeah. Go ahead, Bill. I agree with that. Uh, like, I don't think I suffered that much uh, ranked anxiety. I mean, I'll probably won't load up a ranked game first match of the day. Like I'll, I'll get warmed up with quick match or if I want to play something a little different than what I typically do, I'll jump into quick match. Um, but for me with ranks, like I don't really care about the end of season rewards. Um, I don't like, I don't think I've customized like my nameplate or the TC center thing. That's, that's not what's important to me. Um, what is important is like the actual rank, but it, it can also come down to like how you phrase it. I mean, your rank is just like a snapshot in time. Uh, if someone asks what rank you are, I, I could just be like, yeah, I'm bouncing around mid platinum. I've gone from plat three to plat one back to plat two. Uh, and I don't think like the fact that I dropped from three to one doesn't really impact me um, because then I have less anxiety going forward because it's like, oh, I'm just going to play against easier opponents for the next couple of games and I'll find my I'll get back up there. Uh, that's what I found. Um, I, I think I, a snapshot is a perfect way to describe it, to be honest with you, because. Yeah. We know we know how variable ranks could be. You know, mm -hmm. you go on you go on like a three game losing streak, and you're exactly right, Beal. If you're on like the the first stages of plat three, and you lose three games, you go all the way down to plat one because of it. It's not like over a ten game series you went two and eight and then dropped, and how much it's going to take to get back up. If you lose a game, you you get you get back there, and you know that because you bounce all the time. Everybody bounces. Mm -hmm. I wonder if I, I saw, I remember seeing a, a image, a graph of player by rank and ELO. And it was really interesting. It showed the graph that like it, the cutoffs, like you could see it was, everything was very loaded that the third, you're more likely to finish at a one than you are a three on the graph as far as the ranks. And so everyone was like gold one, everyone was plat one, everyone was diamond one, conk one had a huge spike in like the little bell graph of like where people are on the spectrum of the ranks. And I wonder if like, I mean, Beal's kind of bouncing around in plat, but he's usually staying in plat. You know, the rewards don't change. Nothing really changes from that. Uh, the rank still sounds, it still has that platinum like logo that goes on there. It, it, I thought it was really interesting how people like 
the, the change in the material color of like the rank really <laughs> seems to get at people. And I know I feel that a little bit because I'm teetering anywhere from gold three to maybe close to plat two. Uh, so I kind of I, I really feel the difference really harder. I, I feel less bad about going from plat two to plat one than I do plat one to gold three. So it's yeah. how like that, like even though it's like essentially the same thing, right? It's essentially the same thing. But there's that if the difference in it somehow that kind of I think that affects a lot of people is looking at that graph. It's kind of startling how many people finish at a one level instead of a three as far as the ranks go. I didn't realize that actually. If I can just interject here really quick, I apologize. All I got to say is, first of all, is that, uh, you know, this uh, this this podcast, you understand, we scale. We we, we this this type of advice that what Tim's talking about, just do it. That can scale for more than just AOE. That can that can apply to a lot of things in life. But one thing I'll say, I agree with uh, Tim because, like, I realized about you, uh, Bill, and you, uh, two soccer team. You guys playing your main accounts? Like that's yeah. that's very bold. Like that's what's up. Like I honestly like I admire that mental stability playing my main. I have suffered from rank anxiety throughout any game I've ever played in any video game ever. And how I think about it is like this right here. It can almost go down to the top we talked about is the game fun or not. Okay, this is how I look at it right here. RTS is not really a cat a game really that's very broad to casual audiences. So saying the game being fun, you ain't getting a custom game with your friends and have a good time free for all, but that's not really the basis of the game. The game is really about climbing and getting better and learning from your mistakes. You know, that right there is really what drives me to play the game. And like, you know, so saying fun is a crazy word, but I think more so satisfying and rewarding. And the rewarding aspect of the game, if you look at it, if you look at it, if you click on your profile, it shows you all your ranks every season. And if you start seeing, okay, in season two, I was gold three, or maybe even gold one or two. And then season three, I was, you know, gold three. And then four, I became platinum one and two. And then season five come around, now you're platinum, now you're platinum three. And maybe by the time it's season six, you know, you might be diamond one. You can go back and look at all that progress you made. And I think at the end of the day, that is a really become satisfying. You're realizing that months ago, I was only this skill level, but I, you know, stuck it out put some time in the game, learn some new things. And now I'm two ranks higher than I was months ago. And I, I'm going to say it right here after season, what we, so when season five starts, I am, I might as well delete all my Smurf accounts. I'm not, I'm about to be like you, Bill. I'm about to be like you, Sock. I'm about to start playing on my main account only because if you look me up on AOE4 World, looks like I don't play this game. Looks like I don't even play. I got like five games in my main account because I'm so scared of it getting even lower ranked. And at the end of the day, like, what well, doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. Like, I mean, okay, like, you, like, you know, you have some bad days, good days. You know, at the end of the day, the games you put in and the, the amount of grind you put in, like, I think that's more respectable than, oh, okay, you played seven games and you're in a plat one. And so I, we see you play seven games for the season. You got the rank you want in and you stop playing that account so you can get the rewards. It's like that conundrum Which, with guys who smurf like a lot, a lot, a lot, you know, yeah. and they have like multiple accounts that, and some of their smurfs end up being higher ranked than their original account. Exactly. It's and like, that's what I'm going, I'm going through that right now. I have a smurf account type one diabetic. <laughs> if you guys don't know, this is the kind of playing on mainly. And uh, like, I got that account to plat. And guess what I did? stop playing on it and i'm like all right i'm good now i got it <laughs> like, like it made no sense like now i'm scared to play now i have like a, a account on my xbox uh game pass account that i first started playing on and i'm playing on that account now 
And I'm like, what? Wait a minute, what am I doing? Like this kind of my this Smurf kind I'm using here, quote unquote, was supposed to be meant for me to try new things and do new things. And now I'm starting to succeed with those things. So now I'm starting to actually get better. And this account's starting to reap the rewards. My main account's starting to get barren. So like now I'm like, oh well, now this account's looking good. So let me just stop playing on this one. Make another one. Like it makes like at the end of the day, just find I think it's more satisfying to find an account and just grind it out and just look at your progress throughout the season. So Man, just I, do I like, it. It's good to, I feel like we're a psychologists like like dream right psychology and human behavior we can study <laughs> in this is actually probably yeah, it's, genuinely it's fascinating yeah because it, it can actually span throughout not just aoe like i took i played multiple games in the past and you know i hit a high rank in the game i hit diamond when i played halo and i stopped playing on the game i stopped playing on that account 100 and i actually got d-ranked because i stopped playing on it like it, 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 it at the end of the day like it's all it's your it's all in your own head you're in your own head for the most part of this own thing and I know it can be frustrating seeing yourself get you ranked, but you know when you see yourself go up in rank, just that that type of frustration from getting de ranked, it's like almost compensated for the amount of gratitude and I, the great feeling you feel of ranking up. Well, that so is, it, that is an like, element of the game too. I know at the high levels, like there is rank decay. That, yeah. that doesn't oh, apply yeah. to gold and platinum where most people sit. Yeah, but yeah, oh yeah, you gotta you gotta play on it. If you don't play, then they'll just they'll be like, hey, you know, because it's almost like inflating your numbers like you know if you you like you can easily be a high rank with like 14 games because the ratio is like you know if you're a really high player and you got like 200 plus games and i'm like okay that person is legit yeah, all, the pros, legit all the pros diamond. have like a win percentage of like 52 percent look at like the big yeah. pros like they're all sitting around 50 50 splits but exactly. they played like and 400 I, games and they're playing exactly. good players if you look at the top players on the bracket, like Vortex and like Beastie, they don't play their main accounts ever. They get number one and they stop playing on it. <laughs> and they'll say like, oh, because my Q times are bad. Like your Q times no different from being number one to number six on the leaderboard. It makes no difference. Like they just, they want to be number one. So they just get it towards that. I'm sure, I'm they, sure they, they don't love it. people dipping out on them every now and then too. But yeah, oh, I, yeah. Well, like, I, I like, would relish a chance like to let, like, like Marine Lord just destroy me on, on RTS. Oh, like, I I would, mean, it'd, be, it'd be so cool. I'd be like, oh, cool. Like, I'm getting I'll destroyed by the best guy in the game. Like, cool. I will play like potentially I could beat him. I would, yeah. oh, like- I, I would just try and do something. Like, I would try and try my best and see if I can't do something cool. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But that, that, I think I would speak yeah. to yourself being a good player if you got matched up with one of them. Exactly. That'd be cool. But yeah, that's just my take on it. I think yeah, like I said, like uh, Tim said, just do it. It's not that big of a deal. And a lot of times you're in your own head about it. Just just play it. You know what I'm saying? Get your level up. Get your you know what I'm saying? Really look back and see that you actually grinded out a season. You know, two three hundred games instead of two three hundred games spanned it between three four counts. Hmm. Any other thoughts we have want to share on this, guys? Anyone else have any final thoughts before we move on to our extra sheeps? I think I'm good. I don't think so. All right. Well then, uh, my, I'll start with myself. Uh, we'll I'll make mine mine really quick today because we're going a little long here. But uh, <laughs> my extra sheep is I was playing with my brother in law and my wife uh, who are new to the game. My brother in law, shout out to American Jeremy. He is a going to be the next up and coming top world contender. I'm sure uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's learning the game. Having he's actually having a lot of fun with it too. Um, I was playing. I was trying to. Uh, this is an interesting. Thing. I am going to go a bit longer than I wanted to. Uh, balancing <laughs> a game with a custom game with people who are not on your skill level is really interesting because I had to add in a couple computer players and mo- I had like one computer player on my team who that was like intermediate. And then I gave them a couple computer players that were like hard and they, it was them four versus me and my little dumb computer buddy who was cannon fodder uh, just to try and get a balanced game. Cause I was 
I mean, me being at plat and them being at learning the game, it's it the skill difference is massive. Just just massive. Uh so I was doping around. It was a really fun game, just kind of hanging out. And at the end, uh, they both tried doing like go for broke, like go around my base and throw in some siege and stuff. And they tried to do a little proxy base behind me. It was really it was really fun. Uh my wife at one point uh had a couple trebs trying to treb down my my stuff. She's she's giggling, she knows where I'm going with this. Uh, I thought it was really funny and I was like, oh, you know what? I was playing this HRE, so I had like all the relics on the map. Uh, so I pulled one of them out and I was like, I'm going to take over these trebs. And I went to go wolo the trebs. I didn't realize this. I've never tried. I guess I never tried this before, but it was just so outlandish. Like, I'm going to try it. I tried wololoing her trebs and I realized you cannot convert siege in this game. <laughs> I did not yeah. know that. Uh, see, Socrates, the siege, whether it be trebuchet or otherwise, they don't have religious ideologies. So, <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. So, convert. Uh, <laughs> well, I just heard the term Deus Ex Machina, you know, like the God Machine. I just figured, you know, maybe there was something to that. Tried, uh, no, they didn't listen. They, they, uh, the power of my wolo did not compel them. <laughs> so there you go. Sense. There you have it. I, it, it's not something I, I just something like I didn't really know. I was kind of wondering, is this going to work? Like, I just hadn't tried it because it just you, you never get the chance to wolo siege. It just doesn't happen. Wolos are rare enough as it is. Uh, but there, there you go. I, I have learned definitively you cannot convert siege. It is not living. So there you have it. You know, we think about this when you convert uh, a knight, you convert not only the guy riding it, but you also convert the horse. Think about uh, that. What civ were you playing at the time? I was playing HRE. Could you imagine just... Socrates doing God's work, you know, <laughs> trying to <laughs> trying to convert a trebuchet to Catholicism. Atta boy. That's that the he's operating trying, it. It's just a trebuchet. It's just a pile of wood. Just trying just, to convert. Yeah. I, I'm just in the pat in the trebuchet going, you know, it's okay. Jesus was a carpenter. It's okay. You know, you, you, can, you can join us. <laughs> <laughs> he's a carpenter. <laughs> uh, too good. Too good. Um, uh, Beal, what's your extra sheep this week? Uh, yeah, I haven't had a lot of time to play the past couple of weeks. Uh, stuff going on in my personal life, but I did have a decent game against China uh, recently, and yeah. just uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, it it was just a reminder for me of how uh, the initial engagement, like if you have a decent fight in feudal age, how that can just set the entire tone of the game and like you can win at like at the platinum level you can win at like minute 12 with a really good engagement even though the game doesn't end until minute 35 Mm. just because of of all the damage you did early um and like if if you win a great fight early on um just the fact that your opponent's now always on the back foot militarily even if they are china uh the the importance of of winning those fights and uh or maybe not or maybe knowing to retreat and not losing so many units early on in a losing feudal battle like really picking the timing um when you take your feudal engagements uh that was that was hammered home to me in one of the games i was actually able to play uh in the past couple of weeks that's neat i guess that that's a good good analogy i mean it's like sir neville's was playing me and that game was over for 20 minutes but sometimes you just i didn't know it was i'm gonna lie yeah i didn't know (laughs) (laughs) he's like news to me bro i knew knew it was i knew it was i was trying i was just making it hard on him but 
I guess sometimes like that that snowball takes a little while to start rolling. I guess that, that that's yeah, cool. that's cool. Sir Neville's, what is your extra sheep, my friend? Okay, all right, mine's a little extra. I try to always. Oh, it's my little extra, extra seed. Uh, well, basically, this is something I've been trying lately that get me the doing good. It's, I want to say it's even originally something that I came up with, but I just heard it, I think, from some uh, streamer. But so what I was doing before, I had it to where I propped my phone up during a game and it just said make this. Like that is uh, basically I had me a little kickstand on my uh my phone propped it up said make bills every now and then i peep on it i look back oh yeah make bills make bills kind of got me in a good habit of doing that that's what i was doing but now i've decided to do something a little different i don't know if people are doing this or not i don't do this often but sometimes you know maybe a little tired i run a game up do something a little different what i do and this might not be attainable for everybody but i go into you can use um adobe well i use adobe audition but you know that's not free so i wouldn't recommend that but i use us uh, i used to use audacity you go in there you record uh just record your own voice saying something so like me for example i recorded check your economy i recorded it and i played it back every i think 45 seconds in a loop with the adobe, the adobe audition and every now and then, just passively, a voice. I basically made my conscience talk to me. I basically... He's telling me he's got funny. a couple voices in his head. <laughs> so I, made, I pretty much made myself a schizophrenic. So I basically, yeah. I, I, made myself, I am a makeshift schizophrenic. So every 45 seconds, I heard in the back of my head... <laughs> Look at your economy. <laughs> that, that's so my that own voice. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked though. I would check my economy. I'd be like, oh yeah. Like like so yeah, pretty much I made myself a psychopath. But you like gotta uh, make a Reddit post about that, please. That is so good. <laughs> Bro, imagine <laughs> Imagine if you weren't sober and you did that. Oh my God. I would, <laughs> you, you, you would, like, you would go. lose your marbles. <laughs> I'm like, I gotta go. I mean me and me and a uh, soccer planning yeah, like, yeah, booty me, what, huh? Which myself, like, what's going on? No, it's, uh, no, it's, uh, I'm making, I'm making, I'm doing it. Like, what is going <laughs> on? Everyone, like, what is going on? Yeah, but yeah, so yeah, it's nothing too crazy. I just want to like that's something I personally started doing, and it helped me balance my economy. I know it sounds really extra and really that crazy. Is the funniest extra sheep we've had on this podcast yet. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I just, yeah. So I basically played it back in a loop, just tell them to do something like you know, like little personal. My own self-coaching. That's like there that blonde joke I used to hear like in elementary school. Like the blonde had like her headphones that said, breathe in, breathe out. Like on repeat or something. <laughs> I've heard that one too. Oh my gosh. That is, that that is so hilarious. funny. Sir Neville's yeah, the obligate schizophrenic. I love it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's my goal. Wow. Tim, Tim, you can't top that. I don't know how you're going to top that, but what's your, what's yeah, your, I know sheep? the way to make me laugh. Well, first, first it makes me think that's a little third party software shenanigans. Exactly, going on. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. I'm going to have to make sure that's uh, like tournament know. qualified, tournament qualified. They're like, Hey, what's going on there, man? Yeah, I might have right, to. Yeah. I might have to ask Relic if that's. Legal, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no. My <laughs> my extra sheep. I'm not sure if this has to be AOE related or not. No, but I'm going to keep no. it AOE. Um, for AOE, obviously. I mean, we talked about it in the interview, but I just wanted to say thanks for you guys, not only for inviting me to the podcast, but thanks for the past year or so, because oh, yeah. this has been. This has been an absolutely incredible experience that I'm never going to forget. 
usually I, uh, the, the way I split my hobbies, I kind of do them in projects. So I have projects that I do for so many years and then maybe I'll switch to a different project or anything like that. But this has been some of the most rewarding ex- things that I've experienced outside of my job, of course, but secondarily for people that watch my casts, even if you're just a regular viewer on EGC or whatever, uh, DM me critiques actually. And you can, you can on me if you want. Oh, you got to blank that out. You can, um, uh, you can, uh, rag on me if you want to like that's cause I really want to get better and I want to be the best caster that I could possibly be. So even if you, you could just DM me on discord and be like, Hey, I think you did a really good job or be like, Hey, I didn't really like your casting. And this is why, um, obviously I can't make everybody happy, but I welcome any kind of feedback, whoever you are. So, but really, I appreciate, I appreciate being on this podcast guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. We really enjoyed having you, Tim. Uh, this has been, like I said, this is a really, really fun group of guys we have on this podcast. I, I've just really struck me today, like between Beals or Neville's, Tim, all the things that I think we have all individually done for the community and also now collectively, too. I think it's just we got a good group of guys here. You know, this is I feel like oh, yeah. definitely when I think of AOE, I think of Beal, I think of Sir Neville's, I think of Tim, I think of Asklad, I think of Mochatronics, I think of uh, like I think of uh, EGC TV and all the guys on there. Uh, I, I'm proud to be part of this community. I hope everyone out there listening at home has uh, enjoyed this. And Tim, thank you so much again, man. This has been great. I had a blast. This is so much fun. Yeah, I know. We always <laughs> we always end up going way longer than we plan to. I've been recording for two oh, yeah. hours and 47 minutes. I know that I'm hungry. I'm sure Beal is like, guys, I want to go eat dinner. Oh, I'm starving. Yep, yep. So that was, you are probably hungry. Everyone, you guys have a great day. Uh, and thanks for being on the show. That was definitely a good time. This has been The Extra Sheep, the unofficial AoE4 podcast. You can find your hosts, Socraton on Twitch, AoE underscore Bill on Twitch, and Sir Neville's on YouTube. A special thanks this week to our guest star, 104 Tim, who you can also find on Twitch 